Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that for a day of golf and basketball? How did Sunday work for you? Obviously, it would have worked better if it had been the Jazz playing in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, No Chris Paul, but man, way to step up from Devin Booker. 40 points and a triple-double. He did it all. Score, rebound, just set up teammates for easy shots. And they hold off the Clippers. Now, you know, it's the Clippers. They don't like to win game one. They don't like to win game two. And then they come back and beat the Mavericks and come back and beat the Jazz. Both times from 0-2 deficits. So certainly one game isn't fatal. I did think it was interesting that uh, after the game, Paul George was asked about DeAndre Ayton and said, well, he is a little more nimble and better finisher than some of the bigs we've seen in the first two series. Um now, I don't know that he's more nimble than Rudy, but he is a better finisher around the rim. Um, you're going to hear, we're going to hear some jazz players as they uh, do their, it used to be clean out the lockers. We literally used to go into the jazz locker room in the Stockton Malone era and interview guys as they cleaned out their lockers. It's not how it works anymore, but it was like a season-ending Zoom availability for most of the players who are in the rotation. We didn't speak to the guys uh, beyond Guy 9, uh, George Niang, who literally looked like he was doing his interview in a minivan. Uh, we did not talk to two guys in the rotation, Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, but we're going to let you hear from some of the players coming up this morning. And I asked Rudy about you know him being better offensively to punish some of these small ball lineups. And uh, his response was, well, what do you think? What's your opinion? So I'm paraphrasing. You can hear it for yourself in just a few minutes. Stick around for that. Uh, and as impressive as that game was in Denver Book, as uh, Devin Booker was, I got to tell you, watching that Philly Atlanta game, how about Trey Young? He could not make a shot. He was two for 19. He was having a terrible game. But in the last six minutes, he made three of his last four shots. So two of 19 turns into five of 23. He scores 21 points on 23 shots. And most importantly, they win the game. They win game seven on the road, which the Atlanta Hawks had never done. They were 0-9 all time in game sevens on the road. And they beat the Sixers in Philly. Kevin Herter went nuts with 27. Trey Young got his 21. And they win that game. They win that series. And the Atlanta Hawks, who had a midseason coaching change, are now in a conference final. They've been in one conference final in 50 years. They haven't been to the NBA Finals in 60 years. But they're there now. So there you go. Well, they're in the conference finals now. They've got to win it to get the NBA finals. The Hawks will be playing the Milwaukee Bucks uh, starting Wednesday night. Uh, used to be a little behind the West. That'll be game one, and the West is going to play game two on Tuesday. Um, if things had gone differently, maybe the East could have opened up on Monday. But they didn't, and uh, since the Hawks played on uh, Sunday, they get a little downtime before they have to play in Milwaukee on Wednesday night. Uh, and then as far as the golf, John Rahm. I mean, a guy who's had problems closing before, but, man, no problems closing at Torrey Pines. What a putt at 17. What a putt at 18. He wraps up with back-to-back birdies and wins by one shot. Now he had to kind of, you know, sweat it out there with uh, Uzazen out on the course. But once uh, once he lost that drive uh, at 17 and, and took bogey at 17, that uh, opened up a little breathing room. And John Rahm gets the major, gets the U.S. Open. And now uh, <clears throat> the Sun Devils have won the last two. Rom's a Spaniard, his first U.S. Open for a Spaniard, but Phil Mickelson won the PGA, and now Rom, who played at Arizona State, has won the U.S. Open. So 
that was that was pretty good stuff, dramatic, and it was great that it was really compact at the top of the leaderboard. Guys were making birdies, unlike a lot of U.S. Opens. Guys were making birdies, and there were just a ton of guys, two, three, four under par. So there were a lot of people kind of in the hunt until Ron pulled away there, and I got those two big birdies kind of separate himself from the pack a little at the end. But really good U.S. Open. And I don't know why they don't go to Torrey Pines more often. They've been there twice, and they've had two awesome tournaments. Tiger Woods and Rocco mediating an 18-hole playoff last time. So today was good, and that one was that one was legendary. So can't get back there soon enough for me, that's for sure. All right, well, there you go. There's the basketball and the golf from Sunday. Um, we are going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll let you hear from jazz players, and we'll get through uh, several of them. We won't hear from all of them, but uh, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, Bojan Bogdanovich, all coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from jazz players. Their season-ending interviews, what we used to refer to as clean out the lockers, uh, as they uh, try to process a disappointing playoff loss and what has to change going forward so they can go deeper into the playoffs next year. We'll start off with Derek Favors. Here he is with the media. Obviously, kind of one of the big stories coming out of your guys' um, series against the Clippers was just the success that they had going to small ball lineups. Um, against your guys' defense. Uh, just wondering, you know, looking back on it, are there things that you guys could have done differently? Or is, is it going to require maybe, you know, uh, scheme changes or personnel changes going forward? Kind of what are your thoughts on on how that played out? Um, I mean, the small ball thing is kind of tricky. Um, I mean, I don't think we – necessarily did anything wrong. I just think, you know, the Clippers just made plays. Um, you know, Paul George, he's a tough cover one-on-one for, for anybody. And, you know, when you have, um, you know, the role players on the team hitting shots and making plays, you know, they, they become tough to guard. So, um, you know, they, I think they just they just had a good game plan and, and played a good series. As far as uh, for us, I think um, – you know, it's tough. You know, small ball is is tough for anybody. But um, you know, I think it's something that it's something that um, you know, we'll we'll figure out in the, in the future. But you know, for right now, I don't think you can really put blame on on anybody. It, it was just a, you know, they just had players on the team that just made plays. You know, um, especially in Game Six. You know, they just they just made plays. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Derek, I know that you said you can't really put blame on anybody, um, but in talking to uh, a couple of the guys, they've said that they didn't think that it was on the coaching staff or that was schematic problems that they said that, it, you know, you guys just didn't execute the game plan correctly. Would you say that that was the case? Um, I mean, yeah, you, you can say that. So I, I just think, like I said, I just think, you know, the, um, the Clippers, they, they made plays. 
I mean, uh, you know, Terrence Mann came out there and, and had 39-40. I mean, you can't put that blame on anybody. You know, they'll just, you know, the game plan was to, um, you know, you know, try to make other guys beat us and not let, you know, Paul George beat us. And um, like I said, you got to give those guys credit. Um, you know, they hit shots. You know, we did the best we could on, on, on PG and, you know, on Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris, but the other guys, they just came out and made plays. And, um, you know, we could have executed certain things a little better, a little bit better. We could have, um, you know, we could have could have played a little bit harder on the defensive end, um, kind of, you know, kind of been a little bit more committed and guarding one-on-one on the defensive end. On the offensive end, we could have been a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, just just executing the doing the little things a little bit better, but you know, they the Clippers just made plays at the end of the day. They just they just made plays. I think the the game plan was to, like I say, take away, try to make it tough for for Paul George, which I think Royce did a good job of doing. And um, the other guys they just hit shots. You know, they just got to tip your head off to them. They just hit shots and made plays. So I think that's that's what happened. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Dave, what did you make uh, make of your season individually? Just kind of your first back here in U- first year back in Utah. Um, I think I think it went good. I think it went it went good. Um, I knew coming back that you know the minutes was going to be down, and the you know obviously the the stats and the production was going to be down, obviously because I'm playing behind Rudy, and he was going to play. Um, 30 to, to 35 minutes a game. And I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, a huge part of the offense or whatever. So, no, I think for, for my role on the team and for what they was um, asking of me, you know, I think, it, I think it went good, especially as the season, you know, went, went along. I mean, it was some ups and downs here and there, but, you know, overall, I think it was a, it was a productive season on my end. Follow-up from Eric Walden. Hey, Fabe. So just in the aftermath of, of a series like that where, you know, you guys had such high expectations and then it all kind of came crashing down pretty quickly, kind of what's what's the mood and what's the mindset? I mean, obviously you guys are still, you know, not very far removed from it, but kind of how do you regroup from a loss like that? And, and you know, where do you go from there? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of expectations, especially for ourselves. And, you know, I felt like, you know, we, we was right there. You know, we um, let's, let the lead slip a little bit. We um, made some some mental errors out there. And, you know, it, it's just disappointing. I think everybody on the team is kind of disappointed, you know, in that loss because we was up big and especially at halftime, we was up big and, you know, we just – I don't, I don't know. So I think guys are guys are kind of kind of they're still kind of pissed about it. But I think you just gotta, you know, take it all in and you know come back next year, understanding that you know when we in those positions, we gotta we gotta take advantage of it. We can't let it slip. We can't have you know mental errors or you know you just gotta leave it all out there on the court and just play hard every possession. You know, can't can't have turnovers. Can't have um, defensive mistakes. You've got to um, just take every possession like it's the last possession. And I think, um, you know, coming into next year, I think guys will, 
guys realize that and come into next year and they'll be more prepared for that for those situations. But um, yeah, that that, that loss hurt. You know, losing that series hurt. You know, especially how how we lost it. That kind of hurts. There's Derek Favors. Now here's Rudy Gobert, and in the middle, you hear me ask him about. Uh, improving his offensive uh, game, his offensive repertoire, so he can punish these small ball lineups. That didn't go over very well. Uh, here's Rudy. I mean, obviously, we, we, we had a uh, you know, higher expectation than losing in the second round, so it's, uh, it's painful. You know, when you, when you look at the year that we had, um, you know, the way we played all year, uh, and, and, you know, and being up 2-0 against a, a really good team, and, and and then losing four games in a row, it's, uh, you know, it's not something that we've done during the season. So it's, uh, yeah, for a lot of frustration, you know, obviously, but uh, it's part of the game. And, uh, you know, you, you try to ask yourself the right questions, you know, and, and, uh, and try to think, you know, what can you do? Uh, what can we do to make sure that um, it, it stops happening? Tony Jones, The Athletic. Rudy, what do you guys have to do um, to take that next step? You took a step from being a good regular season team to being a great regular season team. So what needs to be, what step needs to be taken, roster or otherwise, for you guys to become a great playoff team? I mean, I think there's obviously a lot of things to, to, to think about. For myself, uh, you know, once again, I'm going to have to clear my mind, uh, you know, because there's a lot of things that kind of bother me. So it's, uh, you know, it's uh, just got to, you know, ask myself the right questions and, uh, you know, keep putting the work in, keep getting better. And, you know, and uh, hopefully when we, you know, we're going to be, in, we're going to have more opportunities and, you know, for myself, for my team, uh, try to be as good as we can and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Tim Reynolds, AP. Rudy, you talked about needing some time to clear your head. You're not going to have much, obviously. You're playing for you're playing for a gold medal starting in about five weeks. Does that make it any – having that, having the Olympics so close to the end of the season – how much does that sort of help the get, getting past the disappointment of not going as far as you wanted to with this group? I mean, it's definitely one of the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great goal that I, that I have that we have as a team to try to try to win, a, try to play for, for a medal in the Olympics. So it's, you know, um, for me, it's going to be another great opportunity to, you know, keep getting better. And, and at the same time, you know, uh, try to accomplish something great, you know, for for my country and 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 for my team. So it's you know it's pretty soon, but at the same time, as uh, uh, because we lost in the second round, you know, I have a little time to uh, recover and you know and get ready for for these Olympics. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Rudy, you said that there were some things bothering you. Can you elaborate on that? No, just in general. You know, I just don't like losing. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. 
Rudy, you've talked a lot when you've won defensive player of the year awards that it's a team effort. Is there a type of defensive player that you could add to the roster that would make your job easier, your life easier? I mean, it's basketball, you know, uh, it, it, it takes a team effort to, to, it takes five guys to defend, to, to, to try to, to, to play for a championship, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, those guys were, you know, obviously, uh, I mean, they, they all raised their level, you know, Reggie Jackson, uh, Terrence Mann, uh, Paul George was doing what he does. Uh, everyone on their team, you know, raised their level and, you know, it, it was hard for us to, um, guard them as a team. You know, we, I thought the, I've said yesterday that they were, I thought they were the most connected team and I really thought they were and, you know, and defensively, I thought they were, they were doing overall a better job than we did, uh, you know, with the weapons that they had. And, you know, it's, it's all of us. I mean, it's, it's once again, it's a team game. Uh, you know, you, you don't lose by yourself. You don't win by yourself. Uh, you don't get stopped by yourself, you know, and, you know, it takes everybody to, uh, you know, to, to win a championship. It takes everybody. And, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of things to look at, you know, uh, uh, a lot of film to, to to look at and 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 see what what are the things that we should have we can do better. Uh, but at the end of the day, once again, it's basketball. Like it starts with one on one, and you know, and and then the 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 schemes comes into place. But it starts with one on one. David James, KTV. Rudy, obviously a lot of teams are uh, trying to play small ball and pull you away from the hoop. What do you think you can uh, add offensively or improve offensively to punish some of those small ball lineups? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what do you think we we should do when a team plays small? I don't know. That's why I asked you, Rudy. I mean, you're, you're the big guy and you seem to have a size mismatch. I wonder if there was something you could do. There you go. Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, I'll just follow up on that. I'm curious kind of more on the defensive end of things. Uh, you know, I, I think the, 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 the kind of the word is that you're you're kind of either not played off the floor, but not as at your most impactful when teams are playing these five out lineups. Um, I, I mean, how would you respond to that? And kind of what, what do you think kind of needs to happen in order for the team to defend better against that kind of look? Because obviously it was a problem in this series. I mean, my, my, my job is to make sure that, you know, uh, guys don't get shot in the paint at first. And then obviously we, uh, there's some situations when team try to, uh, you know, draw me in to, to, to kick out to the threes. But, you know, the problem is if I don't, if I don't come and help, it's layups. And, you know, and at the end of the day, we, the game plan was to, that we chose that it was better to, give up uh, Terrence Mensch uh, threes, then Reggie Jackson, PG, or even Kawhi early on, uh, layups. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, Terrence Mensch did a, did a great job knocking down the shots. Uh, I thought we uh, we tried to adjust and, and go into full rotation. But uh, the few times when I didn't, 
you know, I didn't come and help. Uh, he ended up in layups. And, uh, you know, I just tried to, uh, you know, uh, I trusted the game plan that for me to, to, to have my teammates and, and, uh, and then us try to figure it out on the backside. But, you know, they, they, they did a great job moving the ball, uh, play the right way every single possession. And, uh, you know, that's what good teams do. You know, you got to give them credit. And and on us, you know, I think we, yeah, we just all got to raise our level, you know. And we got to understand that when it's playoff time, we all got to be, we all got to defend. We all got to, you know, we can, it takes five guys to defend, to play that kind of lineup. And, you know, we just did it. Dana Green, ABC4. Hey, Rudy, um, the biggest uh a free agent going into the off season, Mike Conley. Um, what are your thoughts on the possibility of him coming back? How important is it to maintain the continuity with, uh, with an experienced point guard like that? I mean, it was, it was uh, a huge reason why we, we had the year that we had, you know, and, and I do think that if we had him healthy during the series, it wouldn't be a different series. So, you know, uh, I would love to have him back. You know, I think he's a, uh, he's a leader. You know his, his his presence. Uh, he makes people around him better, and you know we we miss that you know, during the series. So it's uh, I hope that he's gonna you know stay with us and you know, and, and uh, run him back with us next year. Okay, we have time for one more. Now, CampbellUtahJazz.com. Hey, Rudy. Um, just re- reflecting on the season. Uh, what are you most proud of, both individually and as a team? I mean, I think we obviously it's it's frustrating to lose right now, but I, I think the year that we have, we all the things that we've been through as a group, uh, individually and collectively, you know, um, I mean, it's it's uh, I'm proud of the way we of the resiliency that we had throughout the year and, and after what happened last year, uh, you know, for myself. You know, like I said, I don't, I don't put my stuff out there for the cameras. Uh, you know, I keep a lot of stuff for myself, but it's been, uh, it's been a tough year. So I'm just grateful that you know I was able to, you know, have a healthy uh, season and, you know, and you know win, uh, win as many games as we won, and you know, and uh, I'm excited to keep getting better and and, and see what happens next year. All right, there is Rudy Gobert. When we come back, you're going to hear from Bojan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to hear from some more jazz players, their season-ending interviews, and we'll start off with Bojan Bogdanovic, who's got Olympic dreams. He's got Olympic qualifications first, but he's got Olympic dreams. Here's Bojan. First off, can you kind of um, take us through, you know, what what kind of went through your mind in the closing minutes of last night's game and then kind of maybe what the conversations were among some of the players uh, afterward, just kind of in terms of, where you guys go from here after after finishing the way you did? 
I mean, it was tough, tough to even even talk or, or said something smart after the last night loss. I mean, we were up 25. We had everything in, in, in our hands to game seven on on our court. So we were kind of more speechless that that we were we were talking, but. Uh, I mean, we had a we had a great season, but when you when you lose the way we lost last night, it's it's, it's tough to, to 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 swallow that. Sir Todd, Desert News. Boyan, I, I mean, last season you weren't able to play in the playoffs, and then this season, you know, Mike and Donovan being injured. Do you feel like this team hasn't even really got a chance to be this team? Well, for sure. I mean, Mike was Mike was out for whole whole series against Clippers, and and, and that really hurt us because he was like primary ball handler for us. And uh, so Donovan took all responsibility, making the play for the for the others and and, and for himself. So so we we missed Mike big time, and then Donovan was also also kind of kind of hurt his ankle was not healed so he couldn't he couldn't perform the way the way he wanted even even he was he was our best player by by far in these playoffs Andy Larson Salt Lake Tribune Oyan what do you think this team needs to get to the next level I guess besides health I mean stay healthy I mean like I mentioned Donovan and Mike were were banged up so and they are two best players on our team, probably. So it's we couldn't we couldn't have stealth, stay healthy. It's a lot of injuries around the around the league, but uh, I don't know. It's tough to tough to talk right now. What we have to do, or or for next season, or or, or who we gotta sign. So I hope that we're gonna we're gonna keep our our core team and 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 try to try to get another shot next year. David James, KUTV. Boyan, what would you like to improve individually in the offseason? Excuse me, can I repeat a question? What would you like to improve individually in the offseason? I mean, there's a lot of, for every player, a lot of room to, to improve in, in, in our team. I, obviously, that I got to gotta go more on the board and get more rebounds, try to stay, stay more more focused on uh, defensively and then then offensively. I mean, keep working on my on my ball handling. So basically, basically, I think that every player can 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 a little bit improve in off season on whatever whatever he thinks that is best for for or for his game. Sarah Todd, Boyan, how important do you think it is to to get to be able to re-sign Mike Conley? I mean, he was he was really, really leader, like vocal leader in 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 our team in our locker room. So, like I said, it was we miss him big time in this series against Clippers. I mean, we were we were better team than 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 Memphis first first series. But uh, I mean, it would be it's on it's on our organization to see what they're gonna what they're gonna do with all of us. I mean, we are all all disappointed at this moment. So. I really don't know what to say about about next season and what we what we what we have to do. I would love to see all these guys back next season healthy and trying to 
trying to get another line. Like I said, I was I was injured last year. We had two two main guys injured or banged for the for this playoff. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to talk if if we were all healthy, what would happen or or stuff like that. Okay, last question, Tim Reynolds, AP. Thank you. I'm not sure why I wasn't able to unmute. Um, Boyan, are you intending to take part in the qualifying in the next, I guess, in the next week or whenever that starts? Well, I mean, yeah, I will, I'll play for my national team. We are playing in seven or eight days. So basically I'm, I'm heading right to, to the training camp from, from here. So, yeah. There's Boyan Bogdanovich. Now here is Joe Ingles. How do you guys pick up pieces after such a, a disappointing um, end to the season? Um, I mean, the bad news is we'll have plenty of time to do that again, um, which is obviously frustrating. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of digest that quickly, I guess. We got home at four o'clock this morning and um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's obviously during the series, I think we played well at times and obviously some times that we, we didn't play well. Um I guess at the end of the day and <clears throat> the ultimate question or answer, like you, if you're not the last team standing, you've got to find things to improve and get better. So um, we've got to figure out ways that we can get better. Um, however that is, that's um, not my job, unfortunately. Well, probably fortunately, actually. Um, so, yeah, like if, you, if you're not that last team and you, you're not holding the trophy, there's, there's always something you can do. So... We, we got to figure those things out. Um, the guys that are here, um, signed or, or whatever, um, we can be a part of it. And then whatever the, the changes or, or additions or whatever are. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I don't really have a great answer for you right now, to be honest. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, can you kind of just take us through like what your emotions were last night as, as you know, the game was unfolding and the lead was kind of slipping away and, and the Clippers were making their comeback, just kind of what was in your mindset in those final few moments of the game? Um, I mean, that last kind of minute or however many, however much time when you kind of know um, it's kind of over. Um, I mean, a lot of different things, um, obviously frustration, probably one of the main ones when you, like I said, we uh, I think we played really well in some of the games and some of the quarters or whatever for this series. Um, we obviously, like I said, played played bad or, or not up to our standard as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of frustration. Obviously, um, like me personally, like when you're not out there too, like you want to you want to be out there, you want to help, um, you want to know what you can do um, to help more. Um, obviously, every individual is probably thinking that. Um, because at the end of the day, we we want to win. We want to be the last team standing. And um, we all, like I said before, we've all got to figure out ways that we can get better so that we can be that team. Um, but yeah, just a lot of, I mean, there's a, a few proud moments too, like when you kind of do take a second to think about it, but it's hard to even think about those things when um, obviously we thought and believed we had a team that, that could, could match it with anyone and, and beat anyone. Um, and we didn't fulfill the goals that, that we had. So um, when you have goals like that, almost, if, like I said, if you're not holding the trophy at the end, it's, a, it's almost a, a bit of a failure. So, um, 
we'll uh, I have no doubt we'll we'll kind of regroup, get back together, and and figure those things out, and um, yeah, see what's next. But it's a it's a long way away. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Joe, when you've got a guy like Mike who was so integral to your guys' success this season, and you know he's entering free agency. Do you pitch to him to stay or do, are you a part of that at all? I mean, not maybe not an official capacity, but do you like try to get him to stay? I mean, I'll do everything in my power to, to make that happen. Um, obviously, everyone individually has their own decisions, um, families, friends, agents, like whatever that is. Um, they, they go into that kind of core group decision of, of where you want to play, where you're happy family's happy like there's a lot that goes into it um the basketball side of things I think obviously this year and um from his first year to second year I think it was like this year was the mic we we all know and, and saw for 13 years before that I think obviously the frustration last year of the injuries and the, the this the change of system like I said of, of being somewhere for 12 13 years um yeah I mean I was talking to him last night already a little bit about it, hoping that uh, I could get some answer out of him. Um, but again, even that, I mean, it's so, so far, I don't actually even know when it starts, all that stuff, but it's, I think it's so far away. Um, yeah. Again, like I said, I'll, I'll do everything in my power, whether I uh, have to FaceTime him or fly to his uh, mansion in Ohio and have lunch with him or something, whatever it is, I will try. Cause I mean, I think everyone, everyone saw the impact that he had within our group oh, on and off the court within the, even when he was injured, the, the, the conversations and the, the talks and, and all that. So um, yeah, I hope he comes back. Our kids are in the same uh, class as well. So my daughter would be upset if Miles isn't in that class. Next up, Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Joe, does every last game of the season, do they feel the same, you know, when it feels like it's, it's winding down and it's getting away from you? Does it feel like they all end the same or does it all feel different? Um, I honestly feel like this year felt probably for me felt the worst out of any of them for like the finishing, finishing of the season kind of thing. Um, like I said, I think after last year, I think we, we learn a lot from, that Denver series and, and just the, the, the year in general, I guess, but, but that Denver series and, and what you don't want to do and you don't want to be home and you don't want to – all those things. And um, obviously to, to play the way we did for 72 whatever games and then um, kind of battle through that Memphis series with, with a, obviously a really good young team, um, we, we just felt like – not necessarily like this, this was the year, quote unquote, but we just felt like we had a team, like I said, that we could, we could be anyone on, on any night. And, and when, we, when we played our way and, and we're locked in and like, oh, you can go down a list of like the, the good things or bad things. When we were doing the things that we knew worked for us, we were a really good team. Um, and there was obviously times that, that we didn't play that way. Um, and it's frustrating because, you know, you know the flip side. What you got? What, what we can do when we we are playing the, the way that we wanted to play, um, like we did for, for a lot of this year. So, um, yeah, this one for me, like in my seven years, has probably hurt the most. Um, even kind of getting up this morning and um, just talking to Renee a little bit about it. Just like you, it's almost still a little bit shocking that it's over. To be honest, like uh, it's still not a 
almost a realistic thing. Um, I feel like we'll be, we should be at the practice getting ready for a game tomorrow. So, um, yeah, this one, this one's definitely hurt the most. Um, you kind of feel it the most, but, um, yeah, we, we've, like I said, we've got to figure out ways to get better and, um, Hopefully we, we do that this off season and, and come back next year and, and, and give it another crack. Dana Green, ABC4. Joe, you say obviously you don't make the decisions, but in your opinion, what 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 is this team lacking? What does this team need to raise that trophy? Oh, you got me on three hours sleep and um, however many. Um, oh, I, don't, I don't even know right now. I mean, there's... Obviously, we've got a good core of guys that have, have kind of been here or come back with with Fave and stuff and JC re-signing. Um, like, I, I mean, I don't – when I say, obviously, we weren't the last team standing, like, I don't think there's massive – like, I don't think we need to blow the whole roster up and, and start from scratch. But, um, I don't, yeah, finding a, a, a couple of key pieces um, – I mean, you could look at any position, I guess, really. It's not like a, um, there's one guy or something that you're trying to and, – and, and a part of that too is free agency, like Mike and, and George and I'm not sure who else is um, like actually free or, or whatever, um, restricted, whatever the rules are. But um, I think just just kind of circling the, the board and figuring out what, what player or, or whoever it is could, can make us better. Um, or could help us or um, take us another step, which is obviously, again, the, the ultimate goal is to, to be the last team standing. So if there's there's someone out there that can do that, um, obviously you've got to leave every every stone unturned and, and try and figure, figure all that out. But, um, I mean, 12 hours after the game, I don't have a great, a great answer for specifics. But um, like I said, yeah, when you there's always something you can do. Um, I mean, the the Lakers won it last year and changed a lot of their roster. They're, like, there's always something you can do. So, um, yeah, they'll uh, the guys who get the big bucks will figure that out. Naira Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey Joe, um, I know you're on three hours of sleep, but um, if you could tell me, what are you most proud of uh, from the season, both individually and then as a team? Um, I mean, the team stuff. Obviously, the the way I think we we kind of had the focus all year, like I said, from that sitting in that locker room in the bubble after the Denver series, um, you could just look around and tell that the guys didn't want that feeling again. And obviously, it's pretty silly me saying that because we we literally had it not long ago. But just just the motivation and the focus throughout the regular season to put ourselves in in a position to. One have the best record, which is like a, a small achievement in itself. Um, obviously, once you get to the playoffs, it doesn't mean a whole lot except um, home court throughout the playoffs. Um, so yeah, just there, there was a lot of. I mean, we went we went through some stuff, obviously too. There's, there was a few injuries, and, and obviously at the end of the year, and, and guys stepping up um, to, to play different roles at different times. So, um, I mean, I, I love our group. I love the guys on our team. Um, in terms of a a group of guys. Um, it'll never come close to my Aussie teammates, but it's it's right up there with with those guys. Like it's it's such a fun group to be around. Um, JC winning six man, Rudy winning his award, 
um, all those all those things um, are amazing. Mike being a first time All Star, like things like that, I'll, I'll always remember and, and glad that I was a part of of that little kind of story for them. Um, individually, um, I don't even know really. Um, I mean, I, I like the fact that I can look after myself enough to, to be out there as often as I can for the team. I'm always, it's always something I've, I've taken pride in um, to, to be available for, for my team, whether that be playing or not playing much or whatever the rotation is, um, starting if I have to come off the bench. So, um, yeah, just, I guess, that, that just continuously trying to kind of get better, trying to help in, in any way possible. Um, again, I'll, I'll go back in the off-season um, obviously I've got Australian commitments starting here in a few hours um, but yeah go back and, and watch some tape and figure it out and, and see what I can do to, to be better next year and help and um, if it's a, a different role whatever it is just just keep trying to be as, as good as I can for, for our team to win as many games as possible Tim Reynolds AP Thank you. Um, Joe, you just mentioned it, that your Australian commitment starts in a few hours, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but not really, I guess. No, I just um, got a text from the assistant coach just then, actually. So. <laughs> That's not good. How, um, for guys like you, for guys like Rudy, for Donovan, if he chooses to play, I, I know you'd rather be playing a game seven tomorrow, obviously. It goes without saying. But the fact that you do have something to look forward to pretty quickly here, does Soften the blow isn't really the right word, but how much does that help as you try to move on to the next thing that you do have a chance to do something pretty special in Paris here in a few weeks? Yeah. Uh, in, I mean, in Tokyo, I'm sorry. Tokyo, I was going to say, I hope they haven't changed it because I booked my accommodation in uh, Tokyo. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said, like I, I, I mean, I'll remember this and be thinking about this for probably even during camp, but um, to be able to, I think we start here on the the 24th or something, um, which I was hoping to not be a part of. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like I'm going to – it's hard to almost think about the boomer stuff right now. Like I obviously just got home last night early and trying to spend the day with the kids until you guys uh, ruined 15 minutes of my day. Um, but, yeah, I just want to – kind of take a step back and enjoy these few days with the kids. And um, I mean, I'm home for like six days in the next seven weeks or something like that, um, including this part. And then a few days after this first camp, and then I'm, I'm off to Vegas and Tokyo for, for whatever, how, four or five weeks. So trying to enjoy this few days here with, with my family. But even when we get into camp, obviously still going to be in contact with, with the jazz guys and, and coach and stuff like that. And Bailey, who's, who's my coach and um, things are going to come up, things are going to be remembered and, and we're going to talk about like things are still going to be talked about up until we get back together, whether we see each other much or not. Um, once I get there on the 24th, um, I think it'll change a little bit because I will be so focused on, the, the goal of, of trying to win a gold medal um, for Australia, which we've, we've never done, or trying to win a medal full stop, which we've never done. Um, and that's something that's been a goal of mine since I made Beijing Olympics in 2008. Um, and we, we haven't been able to do it in, in a World Cup or Olympics. And 
something that that our older core of, of Paddy and Baines and Delhi and um, that group that's been together for a little while. It's something that's been a goal of ours since since we started. Um, so I'll, I will start to focus on that. I think that'll help not having to think about the chat stuff a lot because I will be busy with 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 the boomers. But um, yeah, I mean it'll it'll always come up. Um, I mean my teammates when I get to LA for for camp. Uh, they're going to bring it up. We're going to talk about basketball. It's what we do. Um, it's what we all do. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll suck bringing it up, but um, I'll use that and and the boomers never meddling um, as motivation to to hopefully come home with a medal after Tokyo. Okay, last question, David James, KUTV. Joe, in past years, you've worked on different aspects of your game, going right, changing that release point on your shot. What, what is the goal for this off season? Um, <laughs> win a gold medal in Tokyo first. Um, I mean, that's, I guess that's, it. I mean, it's a part of it a little bit because I'm not going to have a lot of individual time this year, um, really until we get back, um, post Tokyo, um, which won't be long. Um, I don't know exactly what the, the dates are, but I'm pretty sure we'll be into training camp pretty soon after that. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, sit with coach or probably speak to coach. Um, I'll, I'll probably try and sit down with him before I take off here um, for, for the boomer stuff. But um, yeah, put a plan together. We, we've got assistant coaches in, in the boomers that'll, that'll help me work on stuff. And, and it will, I mean, it, it'll really begin in four or five days here, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, like I said, I'm going to enjoy this first few days to, to enjoy my, my family and, and, and the kids and Renee and then, um, yeah, sit down with coach at some point um, before I leave or, or on the phone. And again, I'll speak to, to Bailey um, throughout this whole thing and, and just keep finding things that I can get better at, um, things that uh, I can get more efficient at, um, whatever it may be. Um, I don't have an exact pinpoint of like what that will be, but there's obviously always something. Um, and myself personally, I, kind of take pride in, in that, trying to find something that I, I haven't been good at and, and try and be better at it. Um, so no doubt in my mind that I'll, I'll come back better. Um, it's what I've done every year since I've been over here. Um, so I'm confident that it, it, I can come back and be better and, and again, help the team in, in whatever that may be. Um, yeah, to have a specific answer, I don't really have that, but, but then obviously no doubt there's some stuff and I'll, I'll figure that out. And, um, come back better next year and hopefully with a medal around my neck. There's Joe Ingles meeting with the media, the Jazz players, as they wrap up their season. We're going to take a break and come back with what is trending. All the headlines, the U.S. Open, playoff games, and in baseball, an epic, epic losing streak. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jackson driving to his left against Clarkson. Kick out near side corner. Man again for three. Oh yeah! Terrence Mann drills it from the outside. 34 for T-Man. On the right wing, George. Crossover and drive middle. Into the paint. Dotted line. Kick out left wing three. Batum is on the way. It's down. Nick Batum buries it. And the Clippers lead 107-100. George to the rim. Try 
to kick it out, does. Extra feed, man, near side corner, takes the time, takes the three, and hits. Terrence Mann on target once again. 39 for T-Man, and the Clippers lead 116-106. Doors kick out left wing, it's Jackson deep, doesn't take the three, Beverly near side corner, three over Gobert. Oh, Patrick Beverly, splash! They're the lowlights as the Jazz lose to the Clippers. A 25-point lead turns into a 12-point loss. And the Jazz, after winning two in a row, lose four in a row, and are all done. And PK, plenty of people lining up on Facebook this morning, and all weekend really, to tell us what the Jazz did wrong. It was a long list. No doubt, man. 81 points in the second half. (laughs) Yeah. Man, there's a number that'll bite you in the butt every single time. Yeah. Well, we can claim injuries, but... They didn't have Kawhi. Get him and out. They, they went 2-0 without Kawhi. If they're hurt, get him out. Because the guys who were playing gave up 81 points. All right, we got a lot of this coming up this morning. Long list of stuff as people go through it and uh, try to figure out what went wrong and what needs to be fixed for next year. Utah Jazz Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Dennis Lindsay, finished second in the NBA Executive of the Year voting. It was close, but the Phoenix Suns, James Jones, is the Executive of the Year. Honored him on court yesterday. As the Suns hosted Game 1 of the Western Finals, and let's get to that. Hashtag NBA. Seven seconds to get a shot. Give it to Booker. Booker on the drive. Booker's shot. It's good. 15-footer up and in. They get it out to Booker. Booker on the drive. He's hooked. No call. Booker in the lane. Booker from 14. You got it. He got it. Devin Booker taking over. Kevin whips it underneath at Yekka Kongu. Back to Kevin. Kevin Herter fakes. Now he steps back. He shoots a three. And he makes the three. Now Trey out there dribbling in the middle. Fires a long three. Bang! Trey Young, he just hit the big three, and the Hawks lead by six. I think all of it, you hit on all of it. Uh, I ain't shoot well from the line this series. Offensively, I wasn't there. I ain't doing enough for my teammates. There's a lot. There's a lot of things I need to work on. That's Ben Simmons. He wasn't much of a factor. And Trey Young, starting two for 19, PK, but the epitome of tough-minded. Makes three of his last four shots. Hits that huge three right there. And the Hawks beat the Sixers 103-96. They win game seven on the road. And they are going back to the conference finals for the second time in 50 years. The Hawks are in playing the Bucks. Yeah, good for them, man. The teams over in the East aren't very good, so why not take advantage of it? And they did. And they are through. And that series will start in Milwaukee on Wednesday. I mean, Doc Rivers loses Game 7s. This is what he does. Game 7s at home. I try to love Doc Simmons. Or Doc Simmons. Doc Doc Rivers. Rivers. But the playoff history is piling up against him. But he just won't love me back. (laughs) Suns beat the Clippers 120-114. to No Chris Paul, no problem. Devin Booker did it all. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. And the Suns beat the Clippers in Game 1 of the West Finals. Coming out party for Devin Booker after lots of losing teams, a winning team, and a massive game. This postseason. I mean, it's his first postseason, and he's crushing it. And his team's crushing it. Won eight in a row. But this is who he is. He's been a very very elite player now. He just didn't have any uh, opportunity to play in the postseason. Couldn't put it on him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting worked up on this because the Leonard's out and 
Chris Paul sitting at home with no symptoms and he, somebody decided he can't play. It seems a little jacked up to me. Suns will take it. They're up 1-0. We'll see what they can do in Game 2 Tuesday night. And people already looking towards the offseason. Brooklyn Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie plans to decline his $12.3 million player option and become an unrestricted free agent. Missed all but three games this season. Had an ACL injury, required surgery. He had hoped to be back if the Nets made it to the NBA Finals, but obviously they're out because they lost Game 7 to the Bucks Saturday night. Durant's home teams, man. His home court's supposed to mean something. It's not working this year. I think it's overrated. I've always thought that. I, th- I thought Durant, he's a marvelous player, but at the end of that game, I mean, it was just one on five. He was going to shoot it. Made an incredible shot to force overtime, but his toes were on the line. So, OT, and then he's 0 for 6 in OT, and he played the entire game, and he was gassed. Is that why? Then he should have even more opportunity to pass the ball than if you're tired. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Saints running back Alvin Kamara has the second career going. He's NASCAR's first ever growth and engagement advisor. He's going to work directly with NASCAR leadership on strategic planning and creative opportunities to support its fan development efforts. That's a mouthful. Yeah. All while he's carrying your fantasy football team. Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley released a statement on Twitter on Friday in response to the sharp backlash he's received on social media, disclosing he's not vaccinated against COVID and pledging to live my life, live my one life like I want to, regardless. A lot of other players, he says, agree with the stance but aren't in the right place in their careers to be so outspoken. And that's controversial? Apparently. He's going to live his life as he sees fit? Apparently. Social media, many things are controversial. He thinks he's John Stockton? See? Like what you did there. <laughs> Tie it all together. <laughs> DJ. Well, I want what I want is people who have not been out of work lecturing us about the lockdowns. That's that's the one that's thing. That's your I favorite want. thing. Yeah, that's what I want, you know. The restauranters, they they're just interested in their bottom line. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Any restaurants <laughs> around you gone out of business? Because I know restaurants out of me around me have gone out of business. <laughs> That's what I love when guys who haven't been out of work lecture us on how dare they not lock down. That that's of all the stuff, that's my most favorite. Three places within a block of channel two. Gone, gone, and gone. Give us some more lectures. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, the long-running uh, rules discussions that you loathe uh, continue to run. The college football playoff expansion plans moved to 12 teams, took another step. College football playoffs management committee on Friday agreed to present the concept to the 11 university presidents and chancellors who have the ultimate authority over the format. It's going to happen in a meeting tomorrow in Dallas. It's almost here, PK. Three years from now. Right. A uh, new proposal for name, image, and likeness at the NCAA level directs schools and states that have been pending NIL laws to follow their state law. In the 40-plus states that currently are not on place to have laws this summer, that includes Utah, each individual school will be responsible for developing and publishing its own policies for what kind of NIL opportunities their athletes can pursue. The only guidance is don't allow school employees or boosters to pay athletes, and B, don't allow payments in exchange for athletic performance or recruiting inducement. 
And both those things will happen anyway. I just like how BYU put out there something on their media day, and then Utah followed right up like they Two normally do. Two hours. <laughs> Wait till Pac-12 media day. BYU's got something stored up. Pac-12 media day, I think, is going to be July 27th. 27th, correct. Not virtual, in person? Yes. In Los Angeles on that uh, Tuesday. You going to that mall, or do you know that yet? Or back to one of the movie studios. No, I thought they said it was a hotel this time. I think they're uh, working on it. They have. They just basically made the announcement that it's coming, and they said they the items and all that stuff. And Details how to follow out would be played out. Uh, I suppose in the next week or two. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Here's the old one. Swing a fly ball, well hit left field. Back on this one, Smith toward the track, near the wall, and it's off the top of the wall, and gone! It's gone! He doinks it off the top of the wall for his third home run of the day! Pitch, hit on the ground at third, Ashella steps on the back, goes to second, two, on to first, a triple play! A triple play! Ball game over, Yankees win, the Yankees win! Swing out to right field. This is on its way back, and it's gone! Walk-off home run! You did it, Chad Long Jr. It's a walk-off slam. What a moment. Highlights from Major League Baseball this weekend. You heard Kyle Schwarber, his third homer. That's five in two games. That ties the Major League Baseball record. Nationals beat the Mets 5-2. Also, you heard the Yankees winning on a triple play. Their second triple play in four days. Their third in 31 days. Yankees four and a half games behind the Red Sox. Four games behind the Rays. Running third in the American League right now. Got some work to do to get into a playoff position. But triple plays, man. The Yankees seem to have that down cold now. Especially to end the game. Has that ever happened? I'm sure one of these people have said it. Yeah, it was in one of the stories that happened, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. But it was way cool. Yeah. Right around the horn. Five five to four to three. Sharp rounder to third. A cool play. Not much the base runners were going to do, and it's hard hit right at the bag like that. Padres, who've been struggling, are five games behind the Giants in the National League West, completed a four-game sweep. They beat the Reds. 3-2, 3-2, to two, but their star shortstop hurt his shoulder again, although this is supposed to be a one-day deal. He's supposed to be, Fernando Tatis Jr., supposed to be back in the lineup tonight, so see about that. Giants crush the Phillies 11-2. to two. The Dodgers are just a game and a half behind the Giants, but the Giants are now 20 games over 500. They are having a season here, PK, well over 600 ball for the Giants right now. Break them up. Exactly. And the Diamondbacks, break them up too. They've lost 17 in a row with a 9-8 loss to the Dodgers. This is a different streak than their road-losing streak, which is over 20 games. They have lost for two and a half, almost three straight weeks now. And the wild-card era record, I didn't know the wild-card was its own era. The wild-card era record for consecutive losses, Kansas City, 19 in a row in 2005. Salt Lake Bees, they lose in Sacramento, down 8-1. to one. They lose 9-5, to five, and Game 5 in that series is tonight at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL scores early, scores late. They scored first, led at the half. 
but needed two goals in stoppage time to beat Vancouver 3-1. to Looked like they were going to mess it up there for a minute, PK. Dang, but uh. they didn't. Substitute Eric Holt. The good prevail. No-look header to the far post. Mm, and did didn't see that coming. <laughs> nice. Demir Krylock scores twice. He's got four goals in his oh, last game. he's unstoppable. Yeah, right, I mean, now, right now he is. That's why I've been calling him Pele for three years. RSL <laughs> is in Seattle Wednesday night to play the first place Sounders, and then they play Houston on the weekend as the game's coming fast and furious now. DJ and PK. John Rom takes one last look at the hole. Gets the ball started on the left-hand side. Breaking back down to the right. Break ball. It's in! John Rom with two big, huge fist bumps. Gets him to six under par with a birdie, birdie finish. He takes the lead in the 121st U.S. Open. It's incredible that I finished the way I did. I mean, making another putt on this green, but I got my first win. It's hard to describe, but staying in the present and, you know, just being aware of what you have to do. And sometimes you have to attack a golf course. I've done it here before, and uh, those memories always help. Golf. John Rahm wins his first major title. Sun Devils going back-to-back, PK. Phil Mickelson gets the PGA. John Rahm gets the U.S. Open. And the birdie-birdie finish. When are you mentally tough enough to do it? Uh, I guess when you finally do it, right? All the questions about him, and they all go away because you can't say anything about that finish other than, well done. Yeah, I mean, he's only 26 years old, so he's sort of just getting started when you look at it that way. You know, six wins on the tour, obviously the one major. Uh, he had the deal where the thing was taken from him with the COVID, six strokes up, and he didn't get to play a couple weeks back, the Nicholas. And he comes right back, man, and gets the job done. That was that was impressive to see, to make those putts, you know, because I think you have to have the skill and the mental toughness, and obviously he had both. Good final round. That was, a, uh, I guess, depending on how genu- generous you are, at least four, maybe six, possibly eight guys within within range of the lead Sunday afternoon, and Rom's the one who makes the birdies, pulls away, and wins. Other guys backing up, stuff going wrong, but Rom emerges with the victory. Rombo, yeah. Coming out of there. Rombo? Rombo, uh, uh, okay. I think that was his nickname in college yeah. is what I heard somewhere along the line. Didn't know, a, didn't know a word of English when he came over here. English is good now. Yeah, and he played, I think, um, when he was a senior, uh, they had the... Uh, Pac-12 uh, championships right here at what do they call it the Country Club? Salt Lake, yeah, Salt Lake City Country Club or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, and uh, I think I don't remember, but I think he won that. I remember it was in May, and the weather that weekend sucked. Uh, and I'd heard about him, obviously. Now everybody's heard about him. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what he can do, you know, because we've been waiting. We're never, I don't think that, and it's hard to say never, but I don't know that we're going to get a another Tiger Woods, but. It's like we always, you know, the next Michael Jordan, the next whomever. And we've had these guys in golf now for several years. Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, you know, whoever it might be. Justin Thomas. Is, is it going to be wrong? My guess would be no. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had so many guys in their 20s win a couple. Or three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, So who's the next Phil? Because Tiger, it, you're right, it seems off the charts. Now, we had Jack and we had Tiger, so maybe it'll be somebody else who gets that neighborhood. But there definitely ought to be somebody who gets to Phil's neighborhood. And Phil's neighborhood is real good. Six majors, 40-plus wins on tour. And Bob Casper, uh, uh, who will be on with us at 8.30, always says, you know, 20 to get to the Hall of Fame is a big number for tour wins. 20 is a big deal. Well, Phil's doubled that and a little more. 
Uh, it depends on how much they want to commit to play. I mean, Kepka doesn't seem interested in doing that. Kepka uh, might hit the six, but he's not going for the forty. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm proud of Coach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, U.S. Open Recap. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio at 830. Steve Cleveland, Basketball Insider, joins us at 9 o'clock. What went wrong for the Utah Jazz? Your analysis of Game 6, the series, where do they go from here? And we will do that next. How can you possibly explain that loss? We'll get to it next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. David Locke with us. How was it traveling with the team again and getting out there and calling it on the road? It was great. To have your employer respect what you do and give you a chance to be great. I thank the Jazz tremendously for having the respect to the broadcasters and the job we do to allow us to do it the best we can and bring the fans the best game that we could. Sometimes despair brings you the biggest joy, right? And honestly, walking into the Staples Center was a really emotional moment. I didn't know if we'd ever do it again. This last two weeks, being in the arena when the crowd erupted in Game 5 against Memphis, to be in a full house against the Clippers, and to be back on the road being able to do your job. These have been some of my most favorite teams I've ever called in my life. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot takes or toast. Brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac today. Question of the day, how can you possibly explain that loss? PK, a record, over 200 comments on Facebook. People with lots of explanations. Is that a record, you say? I don't remember seeing 204 comments there. I can go back and look if you really want to know. No, I think it's a DJ and PK record. I'm sure somebody else has posted, somebody's posted something else on Facebook that got thousands of comments, I'm sure. Okay. Tony says not making adjustments to small lineups. Keeping Mitchell out of the game while they made runs on us and it was too late to recover. They got to help Rudy with his hands and get him some kind of shot. Otherwise, it's four on five when they clog the lane against the Jazz and take away the pick and roll dunk. There's a whole list. Tony came up with three things to explain that loss. Three things that need fixing going forward. I think part of it is not making adjustments to small lineups. They didn't really have the answers. I think that becomes a, uh, a roster issue. Or guys get better next year, but I don't know the guys are going to get better as on-ball defenders. They were good defensively in the regular season because they had Rudy behind them. And most teams don't have the lineup combinations that Clippers have to throw out to run out there and, and hit all those threes and have all those multiple guys who can drive and beat guys to the hoop. So Rudy kind of has to be in against all those layups, but he's got to be out with a three. So I think they need better on better on ball defense. Aoni couldn't have been better. Me Aoni? Yeah. Yeah, but then you're jammed up at the other end because so don't trust you him to shoot. Gave him eighty one points. <laughs> that will always be the answer, <laughs> and it will always be the right answer. Right. What kind of chance do you have of winning when you give up eighty one points? 
A big fat zero. 81 was, points in a half. It was the pure definition of insanity, watching the same thing over and over again. I mean, it just didn't stop. Drive into the paint. Defense collapses. Kick it out to the corner. How open is that corner three? Uh, open enough, I got time to take a dribble and line it up. As, yeah, Legler, I think he said it was like a warm-up three. Yep. And it just happened over and over again. What you were doing wasn't going to work. Try anything. Something. Because what were you going to lose? What you were doing wasn't working. Em- I hate to say it, but it was embarrassing. To have the arena erupt like that and continue to erupt? On a national stage, and you're trying to prove yourself as a legitimate contender and all, and you can say, oh, the Nets, you know, they had it. The Nets didn't finish with the best record in the league. You did. And you had the opportunity. You're up 25 and you allowed the team scored 81, and you just stood there while they scored 81. You put up as much resistance as I did in the condo in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, as I was watching <laughs> that game. Nice. Yeah, and I was watching it. People were cheering wildly for the Jazz because they're all Suns fans, and they wanted to gain the thing to go seven so it would give Chris Paul more time to have no symptoms and still can't play. Uh, so... That they had, because uh, we have friends there, as you know, we've been doing it for years, and they're all from the uh, Phoenix area, so they're all huge Suns fans and all that stuff. Turns out that didn't matter at all anyway. Uh, well. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. We'll see what it means going <laughs> forward, see how many games he misses, and see how it goes. But went well in game one without it. They say the series doesn't start till the Clippers are down 0-2. That's what they say in <laughs> Dallas, and that's what they say in Utah. Whatever that dumb cliche is until the... Uh, Home team loses or what have Blame Pat Riley. Yeah, so I just try something. I'm not a basketball mind here, so I said I, I'm I'm not going to offer suggestions. You know what would you do? I'm a fan. I'm not a coach, <laughs> so it's not up to me to decide what would I do. I'm a fan. I have the right to criticize. I have the right to praise, just like all other fans do. It's not. I'm not sitting here telling you I've got any answers. That's not my job. Is not to provide answers. My job is to provide critique and opinion on what I see. And they scored 81 points, and they kept doing the same thing over and over. One thing that did jump to me as I evaluate the series is nobody on the Jazz. They got no the as the team got no surprise performances. Was the Clippers got several. Batum had a couple of games where he scored it. Obviously, Terrence Mann goes down as the biggest surprise, him going for 39. Yeah, and you can even say Paul George was somewhat of a surprise. Paul George came through. I think the surprise for me with Paul George is what he did in prior playoffs, not what he did this playoff. Uh, Mitchell, to me, is a bona fide superstar, so I don't think he did anything that would really surprise me. Clarkson has his spurts. We see that. Uh, Conley was an absolute non-factor, um, and I didn't understand. He said, what did he say? He was 50, 60 percent? So what were you in game five? Were you 40 percent? Because if you could go in game six, why couldn't you go in game five? I think he went because it was an elimination game. I think if it hadn't been an oh. elimination game, he wouldn't have gone. Every game's an elimination game. I mean, they're all equally as big. I mean, they... Essentially, Game 5 was an elimination game because if you had won that one, then you could have rested in Game 6 because it wasn't an elimination game. 
So you can just spin that circular logic around and around all you want. And I don't maybe he couldn't go in game five. He said on his uh, before game six, I think it was uh, the day before, obviously if I could play, I would. I believe him, but I, I think that jazz fans are asking these questions and they don't have a radio format, so I like to think that I represent them. I feel really bad for them. That I mean, I don't feel bad for myself. I don't. I don't get into that. But uh, for them, because they get so worked up about it and so emotionally connected to it, and the thing about these postseason things is that it just ends so abruptly. You're like on a high. You're on a high. You're on a high. Boom! It's over. You know, with football, you have a whole week to digest that it's coming, that it's over. You know. You know what I mean? So, uh, basketball is just one of these sports where you're just so fired up. And then it ends, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, you feel so empty inside, I would think. And then you have to wait till next season. Who knows what next season is going to bring? It was about this season. It was about now. <laughs> Who knew what this season was going to bring? And there was no super team out there. I mean, you've got Milwaukee and Atlanta now facing you. You told us earlier you should be worried about the Nets. Well, they're no, out. You need to be worried about the Nets. They're gone. And uh, the Suns. I mean, I believe if they would have had a healthy team, they would have won the series, but what, that doesn't matter. You can believe whatever you want, and who cares? It's, Lots of teams are saying that now. If we'd have been healthy, Sure, and I follow this team 10,000 right. times closer, and I believe if they were, they would have, but they didn't, and that's all that matters. And sure, you're right. Lots of teams can say this or that and say whatever they want. Uh, it's what the Lakers are saying. It's what the yeah. Nets are saying. Sure. Fine. Even Denver going all the way back to Jamal Murray in the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Just that I'm closest to this team. And I, I'm i surprised we're at this point. I thought they were going to win this series. And they didn't. They didn't get it done. And I can't come up with another word other than embarrassing on Friday. I was embarrassed for them. They're better than that. Coaching staff is better than that. That it didn't end up the way the Denver series ended, even if you lose... It's going down to the final possession. Everybody's exhausted as opposed to waves of joy. 25-point lead and Terrence Mann. You let Terrence Mann beat you. And I'm having nightmares of Rudy kind of casually going to the corner and Terrence Mann hitting a three and basically laughing at you. I mean, I can spin it another way. They tried. They had a great regular season. If that's what you want, I can say that too. Nobody wants that right now. I think might some want that do. in a week. I think some people do. I call it the BYU syndrome. All, no matter what BYU does, they're always right. There's all the, some fans who believe that, yeah. and we're picking on them. All the all the Jazz fans I talk to are just bitterly disappointed. Sure, just you're all bitterly disappointed. Bitterly disappointed. But that doesn't mean that you want us to crack on them. Yeah. Of course, you're, every fan base, the, the Philadelphia Sixers fan base is bitterly disappointed. Every fan base when you lose game six or seven is going to be bitterly disappointed if that's the elimination game. But I think some people think they want, they, they want to look at the positive right now. They're still bitterly disappointed, but they want and they had a great regular season. There's no question about that. And there's promise, and I agree with Dennis Lindsay. Uh, continuity, I think, is the right way to go. I don't think you break it up unless you think... I don't think you make any move unless you think the move is to make your team better. I don't think you make move to make move. That drives me nuts. You make a move to make your team better. And whatever that might be, we'll find out in the coming weeks and months. 
Jazz seem to make average players into all-star players, Jeff says. And no adjustments. But the Clippers are that good. They're a deep team. Good luck to them against the Suns. Well, they had opportunities for guys to rise up and really play better than we thought. And the Jazz didn't. There's nobody who played better than we thought. Unless you think Mitchell isn't that good. I happen to think he is that good. I think he's a premier player. I think he should be all NBA first team. Uh, first team all nba -er. Uh, Thank you, Riley. I mean, I think he's a heck of a player. So, and he's gutty. He's a warrior. All those things. Whatever. There's really very little that he does that surprises me because I believe in him that much. That he went thirty nine nine and nine when he clearly wasn't healthy and was clearly hobbled out there. I don't know what number you want to put on what he was seventy percent healthy or whatever. I don't know. Well, I mean, it took away his explosiveness, but I don't think it took away the rest of his game offensively. What would he have done if he'd been explosive? 50, like in the bubble? Mm, I don't know. I think he probably would have just found different ways to score. Here he didn't have different ways to score. So I'm not sure the point total would have been any different. Maybe it would have. But obviously he couldn't go up and, and dunk and whatnot the way he normally can. I mean, you can see it. It was, it was clear to see. I think but to, he found ways to compensate. I think to the fact that the Clippers are good and they are a deep team, the buyout market made them much better. Now, it may not make them good enough because ultimately missing Kawhi may get them beat and maybe the Suns will get them here. Uh, but the buyout market, adding Batum was good, but adding Reggie Jackson was really big. And so when you... Look at guys who made a difference in the series and who definitely helped the Clippers win. Uh, you know, could the Jazz have gotten help in the buyout market? At the time when Batum was out there, there were stories about Rudy was after him and the Bucks were after him, and I don't know who else was after him. Uh, but the Clippers got him. He's a nice role player, sure. Yeah. But right. have, have, another, have another role player. Have another, the, the, the Clippers have role players who you know, sit in series based on the matchups. Cousins wasn't going to be a factor. Yeah, your cousins is your go-to yeah. guy on that. Yeah, but they but they're also with all their guards. I mean, they're they're not going to play uh, Beverly and Rondo and Jackson against the Jazz, and so one of those guys usually sat. But in another series, any one Maybe, of them might play. I, I don't know that Rondo did much. Uh, he was in at the end of the game of game one in Phoenix. Hit a couple he, of big shots. He didn't play against the. I'm talking about the Jazz. I don't yeah. care what happened against Phoenix. Right, but it's different matchups, and you got depth, and sometimes you sit in a series, and Fine. sometimes you're a factor. Great. He, and he was very little factor against the Jazz. So get, get, get better players, of course. That's an easy answer. That's always the easy answer. Get better players. I mean, it's much harder to do. It's much easier to say. So get better, get better players, sure. Yeah, that's what they'll try to do. That's what they'll try to do every year. I mean, I don't, I don't feel discouraged in terms of long-term pitcher. I don't feel defeated. I'm not one of these guys, oh, they're never going to do it. They're a bunch of chokers, blah, 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 blah. I don't buy into that theory at all. I believe they'll get better and they'll come back. Um, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, that's the only way you can look at it as far, unless you're just hopeless. Uh, and I think that that's what they're striving. It's, it's a never-ending project. Even if you win, it doesn't end. You, you constantly have to do it. The job is never over. <laughs> just you catch your breath for a day or two here, and now you try to regroup and maybe uh, relax a one or two days. But then, then they're back at it. And, Lakers know. won it all last year and made yeah. uh, a lot of changes to the roster this year. Yeah. <clears throat> this, these jobs they don't end. It's 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 continuous. And if you fall short, you get back up and you try it again. It's like I said for the colleges, yeah. 
If you have a big hopes and it didn't come through, well, then you try again. You keep trying. And the team has gotten progressively better. I think that's obvious to see. I see no reason why it's not better again next year. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about this series right now. So they should go about. Well, on the list of things, we got multiple people mentioning Gobert scoring. And that's an easy answer. If teams are going to go small on you, play small ball, can Gobert punish them? And the answer to that is sometimes. And the other answer is not in game six against the Clippers. We gave up 81 points in the second half, and we're nitpicking Gobert's offense? Punish the small ball lineups. Wear the dunk. Stop the momentum. Quiet the crowd. Devin Davis, he became a huge liability. I would say defend the three. I mean, it, I felt like we were like in 1987. The three isn't really going to beat us. Eventually, we're going to win this, so let them have the three. That was the mindset. We'll give you the three. Uh, I, di- I didn't understand that type of logic there, just to allow wide-open threes over and over and over again. As Legler said afterward, it was like warm-up threes. To me, that's like you take a, a, a 300 hitter and you put the infield in. He becomes a 400 hitter. You let guys shoot wide-open, uncontested threes. Whatever their percentage is, it's going to be significantly higher if that's the situation. Contested and uncontested is the single biggest determinant of whether that thing's going in or not. And guys are lining it up, taking a dribble, measuring it, and then hitting it. Yeah, and they say if you move the infield in on a, on a 300 hitter, I've been told he's a 400 hitter. Because so like, that's the number of ground ball hits to get through. It, yeah, and, and so you're allowing a decent shooter now to become an exceptional shooter. Let's go to the phones. Lyle, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. How are you guys, fellas? Okay. <laughs> oh, come on, PK. <laughs> it's not over, bud. We got this. What do we got? Who are we? So there's there's two points here. One is when you don't have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Connolly slash in the middle and taking the lanes, you have no blender. When you have no blender, you have no three-point land. Joe Ingles is ineffective. Bogey's ineffective. Jordan Clarkson can't get in the middle because he can't slash because he's the only guy capable of doing it at the point. And I mean, hand it to the Clippers. They played great defense, but no blender, no win. They gave up so, 81 points. They were up 25 I, at I'm, halftime. Where was all I'm this totally no blender? They, they had a blender. Did the blender did it just walk out and take a cab out? It broke. Well, <laughs> the motor I mean, burned up. They played great defense. I'm not going to deny them that. However, I also think that Rudy took a shot. Who knows what that hip was like. Then take him the hell out if he's hurt. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Where was the coaching on that? However, I'm not going to call – I'm not going to call it off of one game. We played a hell of a series against Memphis, and that should have been the indicator to the Clippers. But here we are, you know, in Sadland. But I'm not calling it complete loss. (laughs) See, DJ, Sadland, you thought they were bitter. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Sure, they're bitter, but they still love their guys. They love their coaches. Thanks for the call. They love all this stuff, and that's what they want. There's a significant factor, faction, that wants the positivity. That's precisely, this is exactly what I was saying just a few minutes ago that just exemplified And Lyle called to back you up and make you look good. Yes. 
And I get that. You're a fan. And you should want that. I've got, I've got zero problem with that. Why be 100% negative? They're never going to do it. They suck. They're this or that. I don't buy that either. We got plenty of that. I just haven't read those yet. What? What you just said. There's plenty of jazz fans. We suck. We're never going to do it. I don't. I just, I vehemently disagree with that. I agree. You're not going to do it until you do it. And you keep trying. Oh, you look at Jordan. Jordan was 27, 28 years old. Mitchell's 24. Yep. Now, it's a little bit of a difference in that he played three years. And Gobert paid zero years of college. So 24 today, maybe like 26 then. You know what I mean? So Larry Bird spent five years from high school before he played in the NBA. Sure. But yeah. but Chris Paul is 36, and maybe he's about to get over the hump. And Paul George is 31, and he's certainly individually getting over a hump. The Clippers are in the, the conference finals for the first took 12 time. years, didn't they? Yeah. Took forever. Yeah. Took forever for them to get to a conference final. And they're drafted in 84 and 85, and they got there in 92. So that's why it's, it's ridiculous to have all this complete... This is the way it is. Eternal negativity. Those are the bitter people I'm talking about. I, I disagree with that 100. percent I just don't see it. I have enough confidence in management. Look what they've done. Look at the, the Joe Ingles off the scrap heap. Mitchell 12 or what he was. Gobert 27. Royce O'Neal scrap scrap heap. Right. So they're going to continue to do this. They're not going to hit on everybody. That's the way, and they're not going to draft very high here. <laughs> no, they're so, not. You know, it's good. The job right. is not going just, to be more difficult. Not just this year, but years going forward. Yes, because they're going yeah. to be good, and that's where it's up to you, as you say, buyout market, uh, money ball type players, those things. That's they, you know, they, they have haven't done the buyout. They haven't done the buyout market, but they have done the money ball type players. Yeah, and that's you know how they found. Uh, Royce O'Neal had been playing overseas, and how they found Joe Ingles is playing overseas. So they've done that. Well, and they ripped off Cleveland with Clarkson. Yes. Yeah. You got to win trades, and they clearly won the trade. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Jeff, you got to talk now, son. I was about to say, is Jeff going to be uh, one of those fans you're talking about? Is like, hey, let's pump up our guys or our guys. Or is Jeff no, just going to. Are, go are you going to be bitter and negative like I've been saying? Well, the, the funny thing is that they don't deserve a break. I mean, honestly, there's so much things that went wrong. I mean, Jordan Clarkson, he was zero points in the second half. He 21 points, great first half, disappeared. The defense disappeared. Like, they went to sleep. There was no one there. They're like, oh, yeah, I got this. We can, we can go back to the Utah Jazz. They're already counting the eggs before they hatch. And honestly, I mean, they did great in certain aspects, but there's a lot to work on. And honestly, they don't deserve a break for the next little bit. Maybe like, you know, hey, we can work on some good things, but they need to they need to wake up. They need to say, hey, it's all on us. It was our fault. There's nothing they can really say, oh, yeah, we can work on this is positive. All right, there it is, Jeff. When we come back, more from bitter jazz fans, more from supportive jazz fan who loves their guys. More about the jazz defense and how bad it got. And not just in 24 minutes. There's a bigger picture that is also fairly ugly, but it's different, and we'll explain next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? 
I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you. No, no. We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh! that is true enough. He just sang on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. PK, the defense, the number 81. Defense! Boom, boom. <laughs> In the two games the Jazz won to start the series, they held the Clippers to an average of 110 points. In the four games they lost, it was an average of 125 points. Over the course of the four games, there were different lineups played, different things tried, but ultimately they didn't work. And they could have tried different stuff and Maybe it would have stopped the bleeding a little bit, but I think there's just a bigger problem here that's got to be addressed. What is that, you basketball savant? <laughs> what I just said. They're giving up 125 points a game, okay, and that's not, not a winning number. Right, but that's the, that's the, what, the effect? What's the cause? Well, there are multiple causes, but I think the biggest one is the inability to stay in front of guys. The Jazz were a top five defensive team all year long. It bounced around. The number changed a little bit, but they never dropped out of the top five. But I think that you're facing a lot of different teams, less preparation time, games are coming fast and furious, and you're a good defender with Rudy Gobert behind you. You get in a playoff series, and there's one team that's got the matchups to really attack you at your weakest spot, and they prep for it, and they're not even good at it right away. I mean, they would have scored 125 points in one game one if they could have. But they figured out, they switched their lineups, okay, not this guy, let's try this guy. And they whittle it down and they hone in. And once they lock in, over the course of four games, did the Jazz really solve anything? No. And it's not all defense. I know the live ball turnovers, the transition points are a problem. And they were a problem, and that's part of it. So I think there's other things that factor into that 125. It's never just one thing. But the biggest thing you know, do you have big, long, athletic defenders who can stay in front of guys? If you're a little short or if you're a little slow, lacking the lateral quickness, and in the playoffs, they will eventually find you. So they really had no chance. And we can take the Clippers' best player out, one of the top That's the players part in the league, is and the you hardest still to find explain. a way to score 81 points in, in the second half. I'm going to say in February, although maybe it was January or March, or maybe it was all three of them, Locke would consistently identify the Clippers as a really difficult matchup for the Jazz. And the surprising part is that Kawhi Leonard was a big part of that you know, explanation of why that's a team the Jazz should fear. And the Clippers clearly thought they had matchups with the Jazz that favored them because they tanked to get there and played the Jazz in the second well, round. Well, if the Jazz knew that they had problems, why didn't they tank to get in the second To get place? to the other side of the bracket. Yeah. 
because they're afraid of the Lakers. So you start playing that mind game, and the bottom line is you're not good enough. And I think that that has got to be factored into this because I think when you blow a 25-point lead, at some point there's a lot of doubt in your mind. And they, they played into it. They got hot, and that doubt grew. And, and maybe it goes back to expectations. And now we're getting way deep into the mental side, and we should ask Riley about this and get somebody on who knows more than me. But I just think there's a team that has to win and a team that wants to win. And the team that has to win is eventually going to find a way to do it. And the team that wants to win... Why do the Clippers have to win versus the Jazz want to win? I don't know. Paul George has been humiliated. and Man, when the Jazz set the bar and Donovan did this, he said, hey, we're done losing the first round. Well, they were done losing the first round. They won the first round. But he wasn't saying, we have to go to the conference finals. We have to go to the NBA finals. And Paul George was out there saying, I have them a championship. That's it? So you it's all got to just say it? No, I, think I, mean, expect, I think expectations So Jazz didn't have expectations? The Clippers had higher expectations than the Jazz? They looked like a team that hoped to do it or a team that expected wow. to do it. People, do you buy that? The Jazz really didn't want to win that bad. They just sort of hoped it so they're okay getting out of the first round because that's the level of expectation that at the time a 23-year-old kid had set for them. So Mitchell, we're blaming it. It should have been Mitchell's fault then. He didn't say we have to get to the conference finals because if they would, if he Mitchell, as a 23-year-old, would have said that, they would have gotten there? Wow. Interesting theory. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And there's another theory being floated, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle. And do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. All right, question of the day. How do you explain that loss? How could that happen? How did the Jazz get beat? (laughs) There are a lot of theories out there. Utes for Life says, typical Utah media, overhyped the Jazz and BYU every year. They finished first with the best record in the league. And yet overhyped by the Utah media. This was a club that people thought were gonna, was going to miss the playoffs. They were predicting them to miss the playoffs going into the season. I'm not sure that was the national. I'm not sure they were overhyped, but okay. Expectations weren't out of line. Well, you always think that the team that has the best record in the league is going to get at least to the conference finals. And then won 21 out of 22 games or 20 out of 20, whatever it was there. So I would probably disagree with that. But if he thinks that, that's fine. Joe says, what's next for Rudy? He's obviously proved he's a great defender, but a drop step, a hook shot, something on offense besides a screen assist. And he gave up 81 points in the second half, man. Get buckets. Make them take the ball out of the net. You play better defense when you're pumped up after you score. Any of that stuff help change your momentum? They they were up 25 in the first half at halftime. What much more? Oh, how much more momentum do you want? You want more momentum when the league goes down to 15. 
a bucket, a stop. It was a run that never stopped. Sure, they should have scored 82 points in the second half. Kyle says, choke job. We couldn't beat the Clippers, all caps, without Kawhi. Are you freaking kidding me? I guess we weren't as good as we thought. I think that's true. I think it's embarrassing. The without Kawhi part's a huge part. That you got run off the floor after leading by 25. Without Kawhi. And if that game had another five minutes to go, you would have lost by... Another 10 points. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I don't know how else to say it. I would think they would think it's embarrassing. They may not want to say it publicly, but I think they'd have to say, this is embarrassing. That was an embarrassing game for them. And to just stand around and watch Terrence Mann and then watch Terrence Mann basically laugh at you, that really bothered me. Nick says, Jazz 2020, lose three in a row to end the playoffs. Jazz 2021, hold my beer. Let's lose four in a row and blow two 20-plus point leads without Kawhi. Well, if your theory is accurate in that Paul George had to come through and the Clippers uh, had to win, then I'm really looking forward to next year. Because right now Doc Rivers has lost four seventh games. And he's wildly overhyped. And bunch of gets, three, three, one, and three, two leads yeah. blown. And so there's got to be some pressure cranked up on the coach. And so you're going to have to find a way to come through, too. You just can't having these blowing two zero leads, blowing three one leads. We can spin it, but the result is the result. And sure, I believe they would have won if they would have had their health, but they didn't. But the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard for two games, and they went 2-0 and against you. At least the Suns friggin' beat them without Kawhi Leonard. There is that. Yeah. So that's going to look bad. If that's the, Suns the part. Win this thing, they were without Chris Paul, and you were out Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, and they still won? Yeah. The going 0-2 with Kawhi Leonard out is the part that's going to stick yeah. with everybody. It's the unexplainable part. I think it's the thing that people braced for coming into the series. Hey, Kawhi Leonard's a two-time champion. Do the Jazz have anybody who really matches him? And it's 2-2, and he's out. Yeah, we're gonna get Rondo. Games. Rondo had he won a title. Games. So is that what we're looking at? No. Barely played. No, I don't think that's what they're looking at. I, I think Kawhi is physically imposing. He's got the uh he's got the resume. He's been to the mountaintop. He's done it. He's been the NBA Finals MVP. So when he went out, it looked like a huge loss. And it turned out had no impact at all. The Jazz couldn't take advantage of it at all. That's bad news. That's that embarrassing. Is horrible news. Yes. Rick says, well, it showed how ineffective Gobert is when they have good shooters and go to a small lineup. I love Gobert, but I think his days are numbered. Takes up too much money to be bounced in days the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Here's, Rick's got Gobert If his days team. are numbered, that would require somebody else to take him. And if he's not that good, who's going to take him? Well, I think he is that good, and somebody would take him, and I don't think his days are numbered. Well, I don't know that he should have been in at the end there. It wasn't working. I don't know that he shouldn't have been in. I don't know they should have been in. I don't have any answers. I, got, I think they were outscored by like 50 points when he was on the bench in that series going into game six. Uh-huh. So I don't know that the answer is without him or with him. It goes back to, guys, 
have got to be better at staying the ball because staying in front of the ball. You get into the scramble, and man's crushing the corner threes. If he goes out on him, it's layups and dunks. It's a, it goes back to really? people have to stay in front then of the ball. Didn't, why didn't they do that in the other games that they lost? Why didn't who do the what? Clippers? Why didn't they? Why didn't they just run by them in the games that they lost? They did. They did. Not as much, but they did, and it was partly. Then then Ty Lue sucks yeah. because they, they <laughs> had time off in the first two games. In the first two games, Ty Lue was quote unquote getting out coached by Quinn. In the last four games, Quinn was getting out coached by Ty. That's why it's a series. Figure out the best matchups, and guys get more confidence in the right situations. And then they get the win. How do they go from 110 points a game, which all year long has been a good number for the Jazz to win if they hold a team to 110 because you got so much offensive firepower. Screen assists, dunks, three-point shots, blah, blah, blah. Donovan getting his 40. They can beat a team if they can hold them to 110. But you get to 125, and really all through the regular season, when teams got to 120, the Jazz were usually in trouble. I think they won like 30% of their games or something like that when they gave up 120 no, those, points. You're just, my mind, when you get to 125. Numbers now. When you get, when you're, <laughs> when you're on the team to 110, you can win. When you're Basketball on the team to 125. equation. It's played with heart and passion and intensity and guts. Trey Young was two for 50 and he hits two or three big buckets at the end. That's what I want. I want heart. I want passion. I want intensity. You just, the last three minutes, you just peppered my mind with nothing but numbers. And I'm looking at ESPN through the screen to Yach, so I'm watching Aaron Rodgers throw left-handed because it's all reverse on the reflection. That Honestly, when you started going all these numbers, I checked out. I want heart. I want passion. I want ways to win. I don't want a bunch of numbers. What the hell did numbers do? They scored 81 points. That's your number. It's not just the 81. That was the worst half, but it was four games of shaky to bad defense. You're giving up 125 points a game, you're not going to win So was it two games of good to excellent defense? It was two games of the Clippers not knowing best how to attack the Jazz. So they just need a couple of games to figure out how to attack. And then, and then Quinn, well, they figured it out. Not We really can't do a whole hell of a lot now. They figured it out. I don't think they match up well with the Clippers' small ball. No, I don't. I don't think they do. Then try something else. But clearly they didn't match up. That's as obvious as sunrises in the East. Yes, so then try something different. But to stand there and do the same thing over and over again? make any sense to me, but I don't have the basketball mind, nor do I pretend to have it. I just saw what I saw. Shane Rowe, no answer for the Clippers driving to the hoop and then kicking out the man, mostly for threes. Rudy was hurt by that hard fall, but some changes need to be made. And the Clippers took advantage of their changes. Aaron says lack of versatility. The bench should have been designed to go small when teams space the floor. Scott's got a theory. Scott, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. What have you got? Morning, guys. Um, you know, I agree with PK, number one, to start with. We just we don't have enough one-on-one defenders that can actually defend. So you think about Rudy out there, and we try and just put so much emphasis on him. But at the end of the day, just like PK said, we're leaving Terrence Mann open. We're leaving everybody to shoot wide-open three-point shots. Well, that comes down to individuality on defense to say, hey, can't rely on Rudy for every single time we get beat, we get beat on the dribble, which unfortunately was a lot. And, you know, the flip side of that on offense, 
you know, you could blame Quinn for not going to a smaller lineup maybe to match theirs. But at the end of the day, we don't have enough playmakers that can create their own shot. Donovan Mitchell injured. Mike Conley didn't play. Jordan Clarkson might be the only other one. Other than that, no one can create their own shot. And the Clippers had five guys out there that could pretty much do that. All right. There it is. All right. Thanks for the call. Brock says Mitchell has blinders on. Thinks he needs to be the hero. Terrible shot after terrible shot after oh, turnover. Man, friggin' I, I criticize. He's like the last guy. Want, last guy I want to blame. Talk about a guy with heart. The stuff that I'm talking about, man. He just epitomized it. If through all the wreckage and all the uh, agony and all the pain and all the complaining about everything that went wrong, isn't like the silver lining to all of this that Donovan injured backed up what he did in the bubble. And he's really that guy? Uh, to me, it's not a silver lining. It's an expected facet, aspect. I, he really is that guy. I believe he is. I've been saying it now for a good while. He's not perfect. I get all that. But, man, I, t- any criticism of the Mitch man is way, way down on the list. There's lots of things to tweak on the roster and things to look at and lineups you got to match up with and yada, yada, yada. But the hardest thing to do is to get the guy. There aren't that many of them. And when's the last time they ran somebody out there who looked as much like... And you're not the guy until you do it. So we can't say he's the guy because he hasn't done it. He hasn't won the championship. Hasn't. But when's the last time they ran somebody out there that you had that much confidence in? Like, Really? He could be the guy. Okay, I get your point. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably back to the statues. Yeah, uh, he's he's something, man. He was severely limited by the ankle and still went for 39 points and rebounded and had assists and all that. I think he was limited in his ability to be explosive, but I don't think it was a limited in his other aspects of his game, which is manifest by the number of points he scored. So I don't want to say that, oh, he was injury, the injury had no factor, but at the same time, he still was extremely productive. Agreed, but when you don't have that explosiveness and people aren't as scared of having you blow by, then you should make it easier to defend, and it didn't make him easier to defend. He's still blowing your mind. It's like a pitcher who's lost some miles off his fastball. If he's still getting guys out, what difference does it make? I Brent. like the fact that he's going to be here for the next X amount of years, and I know I can count on him. That gives me great comfort as a Jazz fan. Brandon, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Okay, Brandon. What's going on? Well, I I, I got to tell you, I, I I loved watching the series. I loved the last series. I love this series. They're exciting to watch. I kind of wondered why they didn't play a couple of those rookies that was playing towards the end of the year when they was going small ball. I guess I second-guessed that part because those uh, that young rookie that uh, guard might have been able to help where, where, uh, the, where what's-his-name was injured, you know? Yeah. I mean... I, I just I just look at it and and Donovan being hurt and barely limping 
uh, you know, limping and, and giving it all he's got was amazing. I, I All I can tell you is that kid is just amazing. Yeah. And I, I think watching that other coach bring in players that hadn't been playing for weeks or months, why didn't I, I can't figure out why we didn't use our other bigs with a little more speed and that rookie let him play a little bit just fix it up see what happens all right thanks all for right, thanks for the call you gotta go with that rookie you do you're talking about Trent Forrest I I'm not sure to be honest with you but that rookie is the key you also got Me. Doak well, well he didn't play yeah it wasn't you know Meone's not a rookie but that's the guy who was playing during the regular season the most who could have had a bigger role in the playoffs. Well, when the guards were out, Forrest had to play. Yes. I mean, they just didn't have bodies. Right. Your starting guard line didn't play for 15 games or whatever it was. Joe wasn't going to play every minute of every game. Somebody else had to bring the ball up. So, you should have put that rookie in. Damian, good morning. What's going on, guys? Uh, you know, we're just a little down, Damien, so you're going to pick us up and tell us everything is going to be all I right. I don't believe don't that. You? I think you are going to dump on us and drive, or drive, drive us deeper into the depths, Damien. No, no. I don't disagree with someone who has always seemed to be tied to the Jazz. So right now, obviously, Mike Conley no longer under contract with us, so we need a point guard. I need your guys' Review, what if Joe Ingles goes and recruits Ben Simmons over the offseason during this Australian league? <clears throat> what are you guys' thoughts on that? Mm. Do you think Ben Simmons would be a decent point guard for us, or do you think it's someone completely different who we need? I think Ben Simmons is under contract, so I don't think there'll be any recruiting there. Yeah. So do you think that we might get big this year? You know, because I love Conley. I love him to death. I wish he'd come back, but I, it's not all up to us, unfortunately. It isn't. I expect, thanks for the call, uh, Simmons is under contract until 25, 2025. So you can, I, think that, I think Conley will probably be back. I mean, he's a free agent and other things can happen. I think they'll offer him we'll a lot of money. But everything is always subject to price. It's a business, yeah. right? So I'm, 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 if he goes elsewhere because somebody's paying him more money, I'm not going to sit here and say, what are you thinking, Mike? I mean, that's just the, the right. It's a business. And so he has the right to earn as much money as he wants and make this decision. As Jerry Sloan said, Mike Conley has earned this right to be in this position. And so whatever he does and that's what he thinks best is great. But I would love to have him back at the appropriate price that maybe would allow them to improve the team in some else, other places. I mean, I think this is the best place for him because he wants to try to win a title. I think with a little improvement, this team is a title contender. Maybe I'll be Charlie Brown again next spring. But that's, that's, that's the way I see it now. It will put them into the luxury tax. It will cost a lot of money, a lot more money than whatever they give him because they'll have to pay the luxury tax on top of that. But I expect, I expect they're probably going to do it. But easy for us to spend other people's money. Yeah, for sure. Lisa, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. I can't believe that it's been so long. <laughs> well, that's that's a you problem, We're Lisa. Every day. <laughs> I know. Why don't you guys call me? I've been so depressed. That's no, not really um, how it works, Lisa. Yeah, no, I know. We don't, we don't just like randomly call people and wake them up. 
Anyway, well, okay. So first of all, anyone who criticizes Donovan is a complete and total idiot. Must be a youth fan. Because <laughs> there it is. Well, he even said he goes, I can't go around and jump over, but he's still like like you said, thirty nine points when he wasn't like the focus of the play and you watched him, I mean his face was just you could tell how much pain he was in. Sure. And yet, when it when it was his time to play, he played his guts out. So, whoever's saying that just needs to stuff it. Now, here's the second problem, I think, and it could be easily fixed. Um, and I think it's why they get there and they don't win. Okay, you ready? Yeah. They need to not have Utah in their name. Ute fans really hate mm, you. You so know that? that? Yeah, I Idaho just, Jazz? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the no, Jazz. Just I drop don't. the location. It's what the right. Raiders just, should do. They've moved around so much. Just be the Raiders. Just go with the brand. The Jazz. Exactly. And just go, the Jazz. <sighs> End of story. I mean, get rid of that loser name in the front. That's why they keep getting there and losing. <laughs> and they just, you know, and, and, and you have to remember that uh, I can't do it. I can't troll them about last year. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really want to, but I can't. They lost that amazing young man, and I just can't do it. So All I will right. be able to troll starting football season. Take the high but Anyway, road. let me get back. Yeah, I'm going to take the that's, high road. That's now. what's been happening here? You've been taking the high road? <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's why I haven't called about last year. Oh, okay, um, okay, I got it. Yeah, but, yeah, and I don't know. I couldn't tell. It was, um, he's my favorite, Clarkson. Why was Clarkson not in at first to half? Is he like, does he do like Jerry Sloan where he had certain timeouts and certain people in at certain times? Yeah, that's what, a lot of, that's what a lot of NBA coaches do. That's that's the deal. Oh. Well, my son texted me and he said, Quinn's being outcoached. He's being outcoached. And I wrote it back and I said, don't worry, he's no Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> <laughs> he right. won't make adjustments. <laughs> anyway, it's good to talk to you guys. All right, and right I, I want to tell Jazz, thanks for the ride, and, yeah. and I'm going to be there next year with him. Me too. All right, Lisa, thanks for the call. Hey. Yeah, bye. When we come back, a break from the Jazz Mayhem. We will discuss the U.S. Open with Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, who picked John Rahm to win it, and then John Rahm won it. We'll talk with him next. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You're really fired up for this uh, Yellowstone show. I am. I'm really excited. I got the red carpet event up in Park City with the writer, the producer. Kevin Costner is going to be there. Have you said thanks oh. to Austin, by the way? The guy that is running the premiere up there in Park City, yeah. he listens to our show. So he's the one that invited me. Austin kind of is the one that kind of put this together, though. At some point, you need to say Austin. Why are you wanting you. me to thank Austin? You wouldn't be going to this thing if it weren't for Austin. It's not like he delivered my child on the side of a free. Way. Why can't you say thank you? <laughs> I'm about to blow my top. No, we're getting spin the wheel. Why won't Hans thank Austin? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I would check out of the show right now, but I don't want to read another apology. 
Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it is time now to talk U.S. Open Golf with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. Bob joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drop. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. John Rahm, you had the first pick. You took John Rahm. He won the tournament. Although I have to say, coming down the stretch with a bunch of uh, golfers still in the hunt there on uh, on Sunday, I did the math, and it looked like you had us even if John Rahm didn't win. <laughs> well, you know, I had uh, what I had, Rahm and Shoffley and DJ. Yeah, so, yeah. they were all in the top yeah. top 15 or so. Yeah. I was uh, I was sunk by Patrick Reed. I was four shots behind you and not going to catch you. And PK yeah. was sunk when Victor Hovland pulled out of the tournament and withdrew. That yes, he was hit him with a stand big in the eye. Yeah, stand in the eye. Gary Woodland didn't help yeah. him. Brooks Kepka almost bailed you out though. PK, he stayed yeah. in the hunt there for a while. But why did Colin Morikawa and Brooks Kepka fade along with uh, a few other guys? And why did John Rahm accelerate through the finish line with the putts at seventeen and eighteen? You know, John Rahm was interesting because um, out of the last, what, uh, I think they said six groups, so the last 12 players, um, John Rahm was the only guy that didn't shoot over par in the final nine holes. And uh, he ended up shooting two under par. Um, you know, it, it comes down to it comes down to who is able to play well enough and make some putts in some key situations. And you know, he just kept uh, he he just kept playing playing well, hitting the fairway, hitting the green, and um, and if he didn't hit the fairway, you know, he was able to extract it and get it on the green, and then and then it just came down to those final two putts, a twenty four footer and an eighteen footer uh, on the seventeenth and eighteenth holes that that allowed him to pass up and pass by Louis Oosthuizen. So, um, you know. A U.S. Open is interesting because it stresses you out to the max as far as a player is concerned. Um, it, it requires you to hit fairways. It requires you to hit greens. Um, it requires you to navigate um, putting on on the on the on, you know on the greens. And um, John Rom was the guy who was able to do it the best. And that's what they're trying to do at the USGA with the U.S. Open is they're trying to identify the best. Um, player of the week, and he becomes the champion, and that's what's John Ron. So, as far as his place in the game, where does Rom go from here? Well, you know that's that's up to him. Uh, he just won his first major. He's won. Uh, he won a um, uh, a playoff event last fall against Dustin Johnson, um, and he's you know he's won almost what about ten times now, and his first win was in 2017. So we're looking in, in uh, you know, in just a, a short period of time, he's, uh, he's really kind of pushed the envelope and getting, getting up to about 10 wins, and now he has a major. And, you know, I think he's a guy that can probably get to 20 wins, which is kind of the benchmark now. That's when, beca- you, when you become a, um, a lifetime member of the tour and you don't have to 
qualify any longer. You can play every event, any event that you want to play. And, um, and here he is, you know, he's number three in the world starting the week. Um, I, I haven't looked to see if he got to number one, but, you know, he's right up there as one of the elite top echelon players in the game. You surprised he finally got it together or this was the time? You, you picked him, so you kind of felt it was coming, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it was the time, DJ. And, I, and the reason I think that is because, you know, that, that event uh, memorial was ripped away from him um, with the COVID debacle with the PGA Tour. Um, and I think he had something to prove. Um, he loves the San Diego area. It reminds him of the coast of where he lives in Spain. Um, he, he won his first PGA tour event there at, uh, Torrey Pine South. He, he, um, you know, he proposed to his wife, uh, on the same golf course. Um, and I just, I just think, um, in, in his conversation yesterday after his round was over, he said, when he gets to San Diego, he gets off the plane, he breathes the air. He says, yep, this is my spot. And when you, when you've got that in your mind going into the week, and um, and you come back to a course that you love. I, I just felt that he was the guy that you had to go after. Did anybody do anything in this tournament that surprised you? Um, you know, uh, I, Bryson DeChambeau shooting 44 on the back nine, that surprised me. Um, he was right there in the mix of it, had a chance to win, um, was uh, tied for the lead or maybe one shot back. And what he what he did on the back nine was crazy. Um, two bogeys, a double bogey, and a quadruple bogey on the 17th hole, with uh, with a pitch shot that uh, basically hit a hosel rocket. He shanked it and uh, made an eight on the 17th hole. So that was very surprising to me. The other surprising thing was Brooks Kepka coming down the stretch, making two bogeys on the 16th and the 18th hole, and um, and not. I mean, he was four under at the time. The 18th hole was a perfect hole for him to to have an opportunity to make a birdie, get in the clubhouse at four or five under par, and not being able to get it done. So that was also surprising to me. So they've gone to Torrey Pines twice now and ended up with two really good tournaments. Does this become? Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't have a true rotation, but they kind of semi have a rotation. Is this is this in it now? You know, I think it is. Um, it's. Uh, the, the tournaments that they've had there with Tiger and Rock Immediate and, and now with John Rahm, I think, like you said, have been fantastic. Um, it's all come down to the final hole and a birdie putt on the final hole to one tie for the win, one end up winning the golf tournament. And that's what you want. You want that excitement. You want, um, you want that uh, intenseness. Um, in, in crowning the champion in a USGA event. We talked with John Bodenhammer, who is the, dir- the director of championships with the USGA this last week on the show. And uh, there's kind of been rumor going around that they're going to get away from public courses and go to the, you know, the elite um, country clubs um, and places that, that are known um, for uh, great championships in the game and he said that's absolutely false they'll always have a public courses as parts of the game um and i think this one will be one that you're going to see uh probably in another 10 years or so um as as an open championship venue again 
Is that more to try to make a connection with the average fan? I think it, you're exactly right, PK. Um, you know, they've done it quite a few times. They did it at Aaron Hills. They did it at Chambers Bay. They did, they've done it now at, at Torrey Pines. And I think, you know, uh, public golf courses, for people to be able to play public, you know, um, Pebble Beach is another one. For people to play public golf courses and say, hey, I played on the course where they played the U.S. Open, I, it's, it's a huge connection. And the, the USGA is all about promoting the game and growing the game. Uh, along with other um, bodies in in the game of golf, you know, um, we want to grow this game and make it more popular. And I think by playing it on public courses, that's exactly what it's doing. So as we look ahead to the uh, British Open, is there anybody who played well in this who kind of sets the table or the course is so different, the conditions are so different, uh, just throw everything out? Yeah, it's you know the British Open is a different is a different animal, um, especially where they're playing this year. They're playing at Royal St George's, and um, and if the golf course is like um, it's been in the past, this is a golf tournament and a course that requires a lot of kind of luck as far as bounces are concerned, um, and that's kind of the way you play over there in in Britain is um, you require you, you bounce the ball in. Um, and, and this one's a, this one you'll, I don't know that you'll see a top player. Those guys will contend, but you'll see a lot of um, interesting players that win this championship. And uh, especially at this golf course. So it's not my favorite golf course on the road that they have there. Um you know, I like, you know, the St. Andrews and the Carnoustie's and, and those require a certain type of champion. This one is kind of an open free for all. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think of the skill is the most necessary ingredient of the skill that re- that allows you or requires you to make those putts, say, like 17 and 18 to walk off as a winner? You know, um, it all comes down to uh, allowing yourself to do it. it it's, golf is such a mental game that, um, that you know, a lot of times, you know, when you get in the hunt, uh, you have an opportunity to win. Um, you put a little bit more pressure on yourself to make putts because, face it, putting is where you score, and, um, and, and putting is what allows you to win a golf tournament. If you're a great ball striker, you got to be a great putter to win um, a U.S. Open championship. Um, and the other thing is being familiar or being very comfortable on the green surfaces that you're putting on. Um, that's That surface is what John Rahm has grown up on. Anybody that, that has lived in California, you, we've grown up on playing on Poana greens, and that's what those greens are. Um, you understand the bumps and, and how – how they roll um, and all that kind of thing. Those those putts that he made were not easy putts. Um, you know, the one from 24 feet probably broke about three or four feet left to right, and he buried it right in the center. And then the one in on on 18 probably broke about two or three feet left to right, um, and he made it right in the center. Uh, after having made the one on 17, it was very natural um, it, for him to make the one on on 18 because he had just come off, come off seeing how that ball broke and how it went in the hole. So 
a lot of it's visualization, but a lot of it's, it's, it's mental capacity and, uh, kept his head still on both of those putts, um, stayed in his posture after he stroked the putts, didn't stand up or anything. He just moved his head and watched the ball roll down the line and it went right. Both of them went right in the center. So it's, it's basically allowing yourself to make putts in that situation and not pushing yourself to make putts. So was he the best player not to win a major? And if so, who does that uh, crown pass to? Um, you know, uh, he was. I, I think he was. Um, I'll tell you who's, who's pretty close at the top of that list is probably Tony right now, Tony Finau. Best, he's, a, he's the best player not to win multiple events and not to win a major. He's finished, um, uh, he's finished top ten, you know, eight or nine times now in major championships. Um, and a, and a few of them in the top five, but um, the other one is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley now has played in um, what five uh, U.S. Open championships, and I think he, up until last, up until just this last week, his best finish or his worst his worst finish in in four going into this last week was a tie for sixth, and and he was right there again, had an opportunity again, and uh, um, so. He's a guy that I, he's a guy that you'll see win a U.S. Open. He's that good of a player, um, and he might be the guy just you know coming off a second at uh, the Masters. Um, he's he's the guy I think that's carrying the torch for that as far as the best player not to win a major. How do you think Tony's game shapes up at the British? Tony likes the British. You know, the first time he played in the British, he had a top ten. Um, this will be a this will be a good one for him, and I I think um, he, he, you know, he struggled with his game this week. Um, I I watched him from the get go, and he was missing fairways both sides. Um, he was not hitting any greens, um, and uh, and he was and he pushed himself. It was pushing himself with the putter to keep up, and when you're not hitting fairways or greens, you have a difficult time. So. Uh, I think Tony will probably work extremely hard over the next month, and he will be ready to play at the British Open, and I think it'll be a good one for him. Bob, as always, we appreciate it. Good call on John Rahm out of the gate, but you had yourself covered with three solid players, so you're going to win either way. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks, Bob. Take care. All right, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio here on Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Pitch. Hit on the ground to third. Ashella steps on the back, goes to second, two, on to first. A triple play. A triple play. Ball game over. Yankees win. That is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Winning it with a triple play. A walk-off triple play. Know it today at 450 on the big show and win fabulous prizes. We're going to talk with Steve Cleveland coming up next. Our basketball insider. What went wrong for the Jazz? What do they have to fix? We've got a long list of people. Over a couple hundred people on Facebook over the weekend. Coming up with their theories. What happened? Tanner says the Jazz have never figured out how to beat small ball in all of Quinn's tenure. And I think his tenure just ended. What? (laughs) 
You're with you on the first sentence, just, but not the second, you right? Just fired Quinn? I think Tanner did. I don't think anybody else is going to. Not anybody with real power, anyway. Uh, but the Jazz have never figured out how to beat small ball in all of Quinn's tenure. I, the switching defenses, there's uh, four of the five teams have knocked him out, have done that. So that is the hurdle. The hurdle that must be cleared. No, I, I can see some truth to that. The other stuff about him going, that, that hasn't even crossed my mind. That that would be a possibility, unless he wanted to go. Jacob says, we might as well have set up a rack in the corner and shag balls for the Clippers. I think as uh, summarizing the disgust Jazz fans feel, that is, the best, that is the best take of the morning right there. A lot of people have gone down similar lines, but I think Jacob really just boiled it down. One simple, sweet sentence. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had to eliminate that, and they couldn't get it done. I mean, even at that point, let them get layups. That's two versus three. It came down to that. Jazz says not only were the or Chad says not only were the Jazz out coached, but the Clippers exposed to glaring problems with our roster. Our guards are small, our forwards are unathletic, and can't play any defense. And Rudy's a huge liability against teams playing five out who can all shoot. Favors or even Ilyasova should have played. There's a reason Zubak didn't play much for the Clippers. The last two years have been great, but obviously didn't get us to the top of the mountain. At this point, everyone except Donovan and Rudy should be available. Well, I think everyone should be available if you can make it better. And I think everyone is available. But <laughs> you can have a garage sale. doesn't mean people are going to come buy it. That's, and it doesn't mean it's going to make you better. Well, that's up for the management to decide. Yeah. And some, sometimes you have to take chances. But that's, that's the ultimate goal. Win or lose, that's, the goal is always that, is to find ways to make yourself better. Now, it becomes more difficult. See, that's where you have to believe in what Ryan Smith is saying about this is just the beginning and we're going to make this place a premier place and it's going to be attractive to folks because you've got to get guys who want to come here in one way or the other. Uh, so... That's because that's going to be their task. Okay, so expect them to be able to build through the draft the way they've done drafting so late. People can say anything, and I'm a prime example. (laughs) Okay, good point. (laughs) Good point. Uh, But I got to say, I believe him, and I think the biggest reason I believe him is I think people want to play with Donovan. I think people want to play with Donovan and Mitchell in a, Donovan Mitchell in a way they never really wanted to play with Stockton and Malone. You come to Utah to play with Stockton and Malone, they're going to have the ball all the time. Are there shots for you? And people get paid off their stats. So I think it was always an issue. With Donovan and Rudy, Rudy doesn't have to have the ball all the time. And Donovan will pass it. And guys also, some guys just have a charisma and other people don't. And I don't know why that is, but it seems clear that it is. And the way people come over to him after games, and the way Paul George... I mean, you couldn't hear Paul George, but you knew what Paul George was saying to him. And Paul George seemed to be talking to him earnestly for a long time. And we've seen that reaction from a lot of other players in the NBA with Donovan. Yeah, that only happens because of his age, though. He's a young guy, and they're the old guy, and yeah. they feel like they got to pass it on. Yeah. Everybody wants So that. is an old guy going to want to play with him? An older guy. I mean, old, 31. You're still elite. I believe players are going to want to yeah. play here. I, I, I'm surprised you say that because it seemed like last week you were saying 
uh, you had some doubts about it. I, I do. I do have doubts. I, I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses that go each way, and ultimately there are players who are going to pass, and then can you get players who do? And I think one of the big draws is I think guys like Donovan, and I think somebody's going to want to play with him. Fine. I think there's a bunch of great great draws. I think that it's stable. Uh, they'll pay you. Uh, committed to winning. I mean, fans love you to death, and so you can have all these things. Whatever you want in this league, you can get it right here. And people are going to take them up on it. I, I really believe it. Over the next, we're a long way to go here because Ryan Smith is just a couple of months basically into it. Obviously, he's longer than that, but um, yeah, and he even finished his first year. So uh, you've got to allow this thing to develop a little bit. It's a new day. And they've got some ideas about ways to go about making this competitive and continue to make it competitive uh, because. As empty as it felt last night or last Friday night, and I get it, I I, I understand. And I, as empty as it felt Saturday, and yeah. as empty as it felt Sunday, I, I don't personally feel that, but I understand the fan. The whole playoff yeah, letdown. I, I get, I get yeah. especially this year. But when, as empty as it felt, then what? I think that this is just the start, as he's been saying, this, and literally it is just the start for him. He hasn't even had an off season. One, he hasn't won <laughs> no. yet. No, where they can this, go this about improving the roster. So you're dealing from a position of great strength, not a weakness. This is not a team that has, uh, well, if we fill this hole, what about this this hole, this hole, this hole, and that hole? You know what I mean? There's all sorts of holes all over the place. There's no reason for you to think that as a fan. Uh, to me, if you're a fan of this team, and most of our listeners are, obviously, they should feel the most sense of optimism that they've felt in a long time. Maybe, you know, with the statues coming back that next year and then and, and they got to the final then, but Jordan was there and, and we know how all that played out. And so you should have felt it then. And I believe you should feel the same level now because I think this guy's just going to, he didn't come here to own this team to just own it. I mean, he came here to have it win and he's going to be involved in doing these things and, you know, I don't want to overstate the the influence of Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne seems to be all over it himself, and he wants to put himself out there. And I, I think all those notions that have been out there, I think they're going to chip away. Dwayne Wade, the most impact he'll have will be in the next, what, five to seven years? While the player is still recent, or maybe maybe a little more than that because he's Dwayne Wade though. You're right, exactly. And so the guys who remember him, Kevin Herter, who lit it up for Atlanta in that game seven, he wears the number three because of Dwayne Wade. Exactly. <laughs> Dwayne Wade was his hero growing up. And you look at when Wade won titles, you're like, well, of course he was. And you do the math with Herter's age, and you know he's elementary, junior high school. Wade's the guy. That's the great thing about ba- uh, basketball. It could be like golf. The legends of the game, depending on what they want. If they want to go live up in Spokane and and not get the vaccine, they're free to do that. Uh, oh, but if they want to be out there, they can do that too. This is the equivalent. Wade buying a, a little share of the Jazz is the equivalent of Jack hosting a tournament in Ohio. Yeah, and Jack is always out there. You know, he never mm-hmm. he stopped playing, but he never went away. Right, and because because they see your face in be- basketball, there's so few guys, and we we everyone. Dwayne Wade can walk down any street in any place, probably in the world, 
and most people are going to know who he is. Yeah, he's not wearing a helmet or he's not baseball with a cap. I mean, yeah, they're so and he's not five eleven blending into a crowd. There you go too. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland. We will see what he saw and what he thinks the Jazz need to fix in the offseason. We'll do that next. Zero res. When you get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's zero res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule zero res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for zero res carpet cleaning. DJ PK and Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right now. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, the Jazz have been beaten, and Utah, the great state of Utah, is not happy about it. People are in a bitter mood. <laughs> Do you have anything wise to say to them? Well, uh, I would say this, that uh, it, it was obvious that, like a lot of teams, uh, you know, this time of the year, guys are hurt. And despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell still put up numbers, uh, he, uh, he, he wasn't himself. Obviously, Connolly's not playing. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when it's, it's a team that has such great chemistry all year long. And uh, the depth, you, you take away that kind of depth and you get on the road and then you play a team who makes some adjustments. And, uh, and, and it was difficult. You know, it's one thing to prepare for a team, but uh, once the Clippers began playing differently and with a different lineup and going small and doing some of those things, there were just some adjustments they really had a hard time getting used to. And especially, as we'll probably talk about, uh, Gobert wasn't nearly as effective when they went small because he had to get away from the rim. He, were, he couldn't protect the rim. He was in a position that uh, I'm sure other teams have done. And uh, But when the heart and soul of your team is playing on one leg and, and Connolly wasn't near to be himself, uh, and, and then a very special effort by the Clippers, it all adds up to an upset. And it really wasn't. You know, if everybody's healthy, I mean, the Clippers are pretty good. They kind of underachieved a lot of the year, didn't play to their capabilities, and they lose their best player and find a gear that they never had all year long. So who, who knows why these things happen? But I can understand the depression and, the, and uh, the difficulty of the moment when the Jazz just had an incredible year, and it all comes to a screeching halt. And, I mean, in my wildest thoughts and dreams, I would have never thought that the Jazz could ever lose four games in a row, and when two of them being at home, I mean, you just don't expect that to happen, and that therein lies uh, the uh, emotional wreck that the fans of Utah are in right now. I mean, it's just nothing they ever saw the entire year. Did never anyone ever thought that could possibly happen, and what it did. So I think once you go into athletics as a player, and then like you did, get into coaching, it's just set up. The way it is, your heart is going to be broken. You're also going to experience all sorts of highs. So you've been there. Uh, As a coach, how long does this stick with you? A while. A while. And I think think the best thing early on is just to kind of, as a coach, just connect to the guy some way. Maybe it's an email or a text or whatever. And uh, give everybody some time to breathe and, and... 
get, get, get through this kind of remorse that they're going through. But ultimately, uh, in a few weeks, I am sure this group will be contacted and coaching staff will get back together. They'll get through this. I mean, it, it is hard and it's tough and it'll, it'll go away. But I think you know, you got to be really positive and you got to, you know, you got to look at the things that obviously that organization is going to look at changes. Where can we make some changes? But maybe those things don't happen or do we have the group we want? I know Conley is on a different contract, so he, he may not be there. Uh, who knows those circumstances? But sometimes it's good to let people just kind of get through it themselves and then come back, get the guys together. And I'm not saying that they're going to get together and practice or anything because that's not what's happening because there's so much to do. But just making sure that, that as a coach, you want to make sure the guys are all right. And let's let's just remember what an amazing year we had. It didn't finish like they wanted. And they'll have a lot of time to assess uh, as a coaching staff what went wrong and what can we do, what could we have done better. I mean, you do all of those things. and But it is going to be painful because they had such a really, really good year and uh, had just had every, all the pieces. But, you know, injuries can – Make a coward of us all, you know, in the sense that you, you just can't control them. It's not just, you know, the Jazz and the Clippers losing guys. I mean, everybody in the league is down a man, and you got to step up. And to be honest with you, the bench, you know, for the Jazz is not real strong. They, they, they certainly didn't play their I mean, Clarkson, uh, even Clarkson, though, he had one, you know, he really got hot. I mean, he was, he, he had a great year. Uh, it, it, it wasn't enough just with those six guys. And so that's the bench is something that I think they're going to need to take a really strong look at and get not that they, you know, they're just going to have to reconfigure things, but the bench hurt them. I mean, they, they just weren't able to, and, you know, Ingles didn't shoot it real well in that last game. Um, they're just so used to watching them play where it's a well-oiled machine and they're sharing the ball and knocking threes down. Uh, credit has to be given to the Lakers, you know, uh, Ty Lue comes under a lot of criticism at times, and you know they won that championship with with LeBron. But uh, man, I'll tell you what—he made all the right moves, and 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 going small, and you know getting guys in a position where they could had they made the Jazz play differently. And now the idea that they just went off and man goes for 39, and then against Phoenix, I think he had six. <laughs> that stuff happens. And uh, you get momentum, especially when teams are playing at home. And Paul probably played the best four games he's played as an NBA player in a, in a moment that really mattered. So all of those things led to a good upset and a you know losing a 25 point lead. That those are things hard to digest. So there's a couple things that are hard for Jazz fans to digest. Giving up 81 points and a half can never, ever, ever be a good thing. Uh, no. But it was a trend that was kind of, they were building that moment. The Clippers averaged 125 points a game in their four wins, games three through six. So for people who say, well, the Jazz need to be healthier, well, okay, obviously. The guard line needs to be a little bigger. Can they add an extra guy there? Can they add one more forward who is a really good defender? Not these guys play all the time because there aren't enough minutes for everyone, but the Clippers seem to be ham and egg in it with different guys. Zubak's role gets bigger or smaller. Um, Cousins' role seems to completely disappear at times. They've got three guards for two spots, so one of those guys often sits. Man, Batum is third in minutes played, and he's on a one-year minimum deal because his contract got bought out in Charlotte. And Reggie Jackson got bought out midseason in Detroit. 
And those two acquisitions made them a lot deeper. So is that something the Jazz have to look at? Role guys who have the right mindset and sit at times or don't play as many minutes but can come up big when they have to. Yeah, I, I think you're right on there. And, and, and Batum and Jackson did, and, and they just played so well. Batum, you know, putting him, putting, started going small and starting him uh, caused problems for the Jazz. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you're taking Rudy away from the rim and, and, and Jackson just played like, you know, he had been an all-star the, the whole time. I mean, he just, he, no fear, made big baskets. And uh, so, you know, just, and the thing about it, it's just so much easier for, for the Lakers, I'm excuse me, for the Clippers to to defend. You know, I mean, you're all six seven, six eight. You, you can switch everything. You can do a lot of things you can't do uh, that if, if you're not playing that way. And, and Zubar, you know, he got minutes, but, his his minutes really re, re, went down when Batum um, uh, ended up making shots. I mean, he 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 was the difference. Honestly, he could stretch. He's four for six for three in that last game, uh, and just spread, made him spread the floor and open lanes up that weren't there before when they played the Jazz. So, I think the Jazz do need to look at their bench. I, I, and there's no question about it. I don't know. I don't know a lot about their contracts. You you guys know a lot more about that than I do. But I think the things you just shared are, are spot on. And, uh, and you know, and, and I think that Conley will be uh, a situation that only he and his family are going to know. I'm sure the Jazz would like to have him come back. But they do need a couple of pieces. And they, they need some athleticism. You know, and it's not like, I mean, you take McDonough and Ingo, and then you got injured guys, and, and Clarkson doesn't have great size. He's not a great defender. They're going to need to shore up a little bit. I mean, this has always been a team that shares the ball, moves the ball, can really knock it down. But when it came down to getting stops, they couldn't do that. And, and mind you, you got injuries, which is a part of it. But it is, it's also a toughness there that uh, needs to be improved. And you only can do that probably by bringing a couple of six, seven, six, eight guys that can defend and, you know, three and D guys that can guard and, 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 and spread the floor like they like to do anyway. So I, I would think that we're going to see a couple of those changes for sure. So it's easy to sit here and second guess, uh, but they were just doing the same thing over and again, over and over again, and Terrence Mann and these guys hitting shot after shot. Is there any adjustments that they could have made in the moment? You know, I mean, you you could have, you know, you can go small. I mean, it was, you know, you take when you go small, you know, you take away a rim protector, but the system that the Clippers were running was already taking him away from the rim. So maybe maybe you know you might have experimented with going small and and playing them the same way. Um, I think that I think to be honest with you, just watching Donovan Mitchell play, you, you can all see that he was his effort was amazing. And but he just he didn't he's just slow a step. I mean it just was very difficult. Conley the same thing, and uh, and so you know you've got. Mitchell, who's probably your most athletic guy on that team, but defensively they they couldn't get stops. And uh, and once the Lakers started making perimeter shots and took Gobert away from the basket, there wasn't a lot they could do but try to go small maybe. And uh, but I, and again, the bench the bench just wasn't real productive the last three or four games. So I you know there wasn't personnel there. I don't know. I'm not sure there was personnel there that was ready and active to play that could have made a difference. But I would say, you know, the adjustment of maybe going small, taking Gobert out for a bit, he, he wasn't real effective anyway with the way they were playing them. And, 
you know, it may, maybe they could have stopped that run. I mean, the fact that they're up 25 early in the third quarter, uh, it just wasn't the character of, of the Jazz to give that up. But once it got going, and when you're on the road, anything can happen. But that was the last thing I thought could ever happen. And uh, But it did. It did because a guy like Terrence Mann, who nobody's ever heard of, goes for 39. I mean, he doesn't go off, you know, the Clippers lose by 15, and, and they're going back to Utah, and Utah's playing the Suns instead of the Clippers. Right? I mean, you can't downplay the fact that the Clippers played with great energy, great enthusiasm. I mean, they there was toughness there, and once they got it going and got back into that game, you, you could see that they weren't going to be stopped. Steve Cleveland, basketball insider, joining us. So now it's the Hawks and the Bucks, and it's the Clippers and the Suns, and nobody's got any championship uh, pedigree here with Kawhi Leonard hurt and out. He's the guy you'd think, okay, well, that's kind of an X factor, but it doesn't look like he's playing. So who you got? I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, if hopefully Chris Paul has a chance to come back, but I, I personally think the Suns are the best team out of four. They got too many, they've got so many shooters. They've got enough rim protection. They play hard. They've got a lot of confidence. And it's not to say the Clippers couldn't beat them. They, they could, but they're going to have to play really well. But, I, I mean, the Bucks, they it's hard for me to watch them and see what's going on and, and at times. And they, they certainly have size and girth and those kinds of things. But, uh, and I, and I guess probably you think, but the matchup-wise, I, I would think that the Bucks would beat the Hawks. But then again, the Hawks are a lot like the Suns. I mean, would that be crazy, Hawks and Suns in the NBA Finals? But they are the two teams that really have their, their well-oiled offensive machines. I mean, they can shoot it. They, they've got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. They've got, you know, they, they've got enough size to protect the rim. They're young. Uh, and I think that's a big thing too. They're, they're, you know, other than Chris Paul having to deal with COVID right now, I don't see a lot of injuries. Uh, I, I would love to see that final, Atlanta and the Suns. I mean, that that would be kind of cool to watch. You know, that's something no one ever expected. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to have a say in this thing, though. I don't know that Kawhi's coming back, but the Clippers can beat the Suns. But the, the Suns just have. I mean, they're like. Obviously, the Suns and, and uh, the Jazz were, you know, two of the best offensive teams in the NBA. But uh, you, you've got you, – you've just got a group of young guys there with the Suns that uh, – and, and a young superstar coming that I, – and I didn't realize how well he would play at the point. And so I, 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 I like the Suns. I mean, everything I've seen about them, they, they have a lot of swagger. they got a lot of confidence. Um I don't, I don't know that they're a team like the Jazz who are going to lose four in a row. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be tough to beat at home. They didn't play great against the Lakers on the road uh, one night. You know, we'll see how they are with the Clippers. But uh, it, that team seems to have the most swag, the most confidence. And because of Atlanta, a lot of Atlanta's success was due to, you know, guys can't make you – know, you've, got, you've got guys that are missing free throws and making mistakes. I mean, the 76ers – helped Atlanta a great deal. I mean, they just made mistakes. They turned it over. They missed layups, couldn't make free throws. And that's a bad recipe to try to win a, uh, you know, a conference final so, or a semifinal. So I, I like the Suns. I, 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 if, if I was going to bet a dollar, I'd, I'd say that they have the greatest upside. 
But that being said, if they don't, if the Clippers, I mean, if the Clippers end up beating the Suns in this thing and going to the finals, I think they win the whole thing. So as a Jazz, as a Jazz go forward, you know the goal obviously is to get better, as it is for every team and really college, high school, you name it, and. So they're going to have to find ways to basically, at a pro level, like you did often at the college level, is recruit guys to Utah. And Utah has certain perceptions. We know what they are. But I'm wondering, you know, you had to overcome it. You not only had to recruit guys to Utah, you had to recruit them to BYU. So that's like a double whammy in a sense in terms of non-church members uh, to get them to commit. And as the Jazz go forward in their new ownership, how much success do you think they can have developing the relationships and how important are relationships in terms of getting guys to make that commitment to come here? Well, you're right about relationships. And if any, any organization seems to check all the boxes in terms of you know, a coaching staff that works with the guys, and I, I watch, when I do watch the NBA, I watch coaches. I watch how they interact. And, uh, and, and, and then the college game and the NBA are two different uh, beasts. I mean, it, it, it's you, the relationships are a huge part in any organization. But I think in the NBA where you've got guys making millions of dollars, there's so many people in their camp, you know, you, you've got to know how to make them click and make them work. I, I like the new ownership. I think that Dwayne Wade is, uh, is a great ambassador. He, he has come in and just seamlessly – stepped in. I don't know what his role is going to be, but here's a guy that's done it at every level, and uh, he'll be able to speak to uh, a young man, whether he be African-American, white, or from Europe, or wherever it might be. Uh, he's going to be able to speak, and he, he's, the people are going to listen. It's not that they wouldn't listen to the, you know, to the coaching staff and the coaches, but having Dwayne Wade there, and, and, and Ryan Smith, a young man that has thought outside the box and just has done amazing things with his life and building his his companies. Uh, I, I think that young energy will be a real benefit between uh, to, to helping get de- different players answering questions about what it is. I mean, obviously they have loyal fan base, uh, and you're right, Salt Lake City's not going to be for everyone. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think the Dwayne Wade. Uh, being there, I, I think, answers a lot of those questions. He, he's respected throughout the world. And, uh, and, and I think Ryan Smith is a guy that his whole life is a really, really smart guy that has thought outside of the box. And, and he, too, himself is passionate about this game. And I think people like to be around people who are passionate about the game. So I, I think there's some people in place there that are going to, be, that are going to help. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are going to be some guys that just don't want to live there, that don't want to be there for whatever the reasons are. And so, but I do believe that Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith are two big pieces that, besides the fact that you've got a, one of the greatest coaches uh, in the league today and, and a staff that is, is outstanding. So, I mean, they've got the pieces there. I don't know a lot about their organization inside, so it's not, it doesn't do me any good to make a comment about it because I don't know. But when I look at that coaching staff and then I look at new ownership and I look at, Dwayne Wade, uh, I think there's some really, really strong personalities and, and energetic people who are, are going to be able to sell the fact that, hey, you want to be a part of this jazz program where we're so close and uh, we want to get over the hump. We need you. 
I can tell you Dwayne Wade is intended to be in the celebrity owner uh, at 35,000 feet. He's, uh, he's digging way, in, way more into the uh, business side of the uh, basketball operation. He, he wants to know. Um, yep. And so I think he's surprised people inside the organization. Maybe not Ryan, because Ryan, you know, golfed with him and knew him. But, I mean, the people who work in the organization are like, wow, this guy's in here asking good questions and wants to know what's going on. Um, so uh, I think that bodes well. It, it shows buy-in on his part. I'm curious how much you think Donovan Mitchell can recruit. Am I, I mean, we're sitting here, and so maybe we're overselling it because he's the local hero and all that. But watching the post-game stuff, and, and PK's right, it is old guys talking to young guys, so that's part of it. But it seems like there's a charisma, and people are going to want to play with him. Not everybody. Jazz fans will probably want some guys and get the door slammed in their face, and it'll hurt. Because some people just aren't coming here, but it does seem like he's got the charisma, and some people will want to come here and play with him. No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree with that. Uh, and I, I, you know, you watch as they play, and the respect that people have for him, and you know, in wins and losses over the course of the year, there's so much respect for Donovan, and he is the face of the Jazz, and he is the guy. And uh, I, I believe that he. He'll he'll be out recruiting. I mean, and I don't know who's going to all be out there, but he's a guy that is the face of that organization, and uh, he's got such great energy. He's got so much charisma. He's passionate. He speaks his mind when he maybe shouldn't, but that's what people love about him. He's not going to hide behind anything. He'll be. He, he's very accountable to himself and to the player, hard on himself. Those are the kinds of things you like, and uh, so. Yeah, I think I think Donovan, Dwayne, Brian, you, you, you know, the a coaching staff, uh, you, you, they're going to have to recruit. I know. You know, I remember being at BYU, and obviously uh, BYU had always been a really, really good program, and they had a little hiccup when things went down, and Utah was so good, and it all came down to trust. It came down to relationships, and I remember going into homes. And people and knowing that Utah was recruiting them and, and, and just getting them to believe that, listen, we can turn this thing. And, and so relationships and for us as a staff, when we went into homes, um, I always loved it when we went into homes and, and, and people there are wearing Utah hats or they're, they're, they're wearing another university hats. We go, we got no respect here. But at the end of the day, the reason we got it turned was because we developed relationships we may let them know that we were going to put them in positions to be better. We're committed to that. And that was, that was our consistent message. And, and over time, it turned. And so the Jazz are way farther ahead than the BYU was in 1997. But I, I think the trust issue and the relationships issues are huge for people coming in, especially younger players. Maybe it's their second contract. Now they're looking at a place where they can fit in. And, and listen, the the Jazz have really good players, but they they need to continue to get better. And and you, because you know you you take a look at Bogdanovich and Ingles who had great you know they had great years, but defensively, the, you're, you're always I mean and Bogdanovich is a tough dude, but you you need quickness and athleticism defensively, and and I'm not sure that they have that in the in the system right now. So I'm not saying we're going to get rid of Bogdanovich or Ingles, but we need to add too. We need more athleticism. We need more people that can certainly continue to shoot the three like they do, but that they can guard. And uh, that's what I would be looking for. 
And, uh, you know, Gobert's not going anywhere. He had a great year. They're going to have to – They you know, maybe they need another – maybe they need a more athletic 6'8", six, 6'9", six, forward who can score around the basket but can get out and guard outside. So that they can go small but not lose athleticism, not lose that girth that they need. So that may be something that they're looking for as well because that, that, is, that doesn't exist right now in, in, their, in their program. They need a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, athletic guy that can go inside out but can guard. Doesn't have to be a great three-point shooter, but at least you got to keep guys honest. And, uh, and you can switch everything with that kind of group. So that, that's probably the, the, the one thing that I see from the outside looking in. And, 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 again, I don't know the young guys they have in their program or they're developing, but if they don't have that, that's what I'd be looking for. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again in a week. Yeah, we'll see you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Everything you missed in this show, next. We'll wrap it up for you. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. You know what I think we should do on that too? Like include the guys who left to go other places. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I don't know if 60 guys left. No, but but we can do a top thirty. The, the, not the funny thing. I don't know how you say it. What, Ironic. I don't. I don't know what the word is. But normally, when they leave, they're good players, if not great players. They're not coming to Utah to get average guys, to an extent. Now, not everyone's a superstar. Oh, so but, you're uh, talking about recruits who left the state, or are you talking about transfers out of programs? No, recruits who left the state. Okay. High school kids. Yeah. Right, because they're they played high school ball in Utah. They're in the state. Yep. The Sewell brothers, Fajoko uh, at Stanford, receiver. I mean, Tufeli at SC. I mean, these are just randomly off the top of my head. You're hurting me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, these guys can all play. Right. I right. don't know how many of you go to high school football games or which ones you go to or how often, but just kind of the nature of TV, we're obviously gravitating towards the best teams and the best players. You know, usually when you're picking games and you get to go to 10 or 12 or 15 games or whatever, and there's 50 games in the state, you don't say, well, where are a couple of two and six teams? Let's go see them. It's not how it works. Yes. And so all these players, I can usually, Puganakua made a season opening touchdown catch. I'll bet Yacht can picture it in his mind. At Orm High, going left to right, sensational. You didn't have to know much about football to know. This guy's wildly talented. Simi Fajoko intercepted a pass at the goal line. He was a defensive back and wide receiver. One-handed the ball at the goal line. 50-yard throw from the quarterback. Looked like it was on the money. He just swooped in and picked it out of the air over the kid's shoulder. Phenomenal play. Yes, I think those guys should be included in the list. 
They played high, they played ball in Utah. <laughs> I'm okay with it. You're going to take it up with the committee, as we call them. That's not the point. The point is to hype it up, no, not make everybody feel no, bad. we'll do it on our show. Oh, <laughs> the counter list. The real list. The top what, what is that? What is the story of the Sunday? Un, uh, I can't think of what the expression is now. Doggone it! The guys who played ball in Utah but now play elsewhere. Who are the uh, countdown? Those guys. Oh my gosh, because they have. I'm looking at the list now and have dramatic impacts. And and like the top six in the class of 2021, one of them looks like he's slated to stay in state. Oregon, USC, Oregon, Oregon, Washington. Further down the list, Nebraska, Stanford. That can't be right. Well, I know these last year Utah Corner kids. Canyon, My the, the gosh, these are all Utah kids. Went to SC. They had a lineman who's going to Oregon. Where Oregon socks every time because Frank and and the Lemma and Fox and Tony would that, tell us about it. Are you talking uh, Light, Jackson say, Light? Yeah. yeah, I think he's. Uh, but they're getting a kid out of uh, Orem too, and a kid out of Kearns. Yeah, great, <laughs> outstanding. Cool. So we'll, Man, we'll 2021 the, seems worse. It's like, like the trend's accelerating. Yeah. And yet you'll always hear, well, we're going to recruit hard and uh, we're going to make our in-state kids a priority. The problem is they're not making you a priority. It looks like <laughs> 11 players leaving for the Pac-12 or mostly for the Pac-12, but there are, you know, Nebraska obviously is... Is the one exception. So, 11 kids are leaving, 10, 10 of them for other Pac 12 schools, and one of them for. Now, it's still time to flip some of these kids. So, Brandon Huffman, who we've had on the show from 24 uh, 7 Sports, he's saying right now that Utah, in his opinion, is the second highest producing state in terms of overall talent in the Western United States behind only California. I would debate that. I think Arizona. Arizona. Right there, yeah. Yeah. He he's he, in his opinion. He said, "Yeah, their numbers are probably going to go in per favor capita of states, or total. Per capita is what he's talking. It'd about have right to now. go per capita because total it would yeah, definitely I was say be Arizona. Arizona, but also there'd be other western states. I, I don't who, understand what per capita means. There's no definition of based per on capita. population. I know, but we randomly we throw per capita. That's so, that's like the pure point guard thing. You got to <laughs> shift the stats. But Arizona's is, got twice as many people. There's no stat that measures per capita. It's just some nebulous thing on some point." you're trying to make so you throw in per capita and the nerd across the street can't go ahead and, and statistically analyze it says that's right or that's wrong uh, because there's nothing that can quantify it it sounds good so i just say per capita and that covers me well under the theory that it doesn't matter who you don't get it matters who you who you do get when you see some of the defensive linemen leaving the state you think well the Utes are going to be loaded defensive line so that'll probably work out but when you see some of these other positions leaving the state uh quarterback no I think it does matter it can be mitigated by who you get but I think it definitely does matter because as I'm saying those guys who leave the yeah. state are drafted that has an impact uh, any of these guys going to transfer back? No. Nope, they're all gone for good. Who does? I mean, some are, some are just gone. If you're that good, you, don't you only need to back. be there three years and you're going to the NFL anyway. Yeah. That was 2021, so that's the group that's done. 2022 is the group where you can still flip. And the top, uh, we'll have to look at that another time. Um, 
What would you like to tell the people about this show? Catch him up to speed for the 9 o'clock listener uh, who missed your hottest takes. sucks, man. I don't yeah. know how else to say it. Man. 81 points in the second half sucks. It was... Game six was embarrassing. Sitting there in Wyoming watching the game with a bunch of Phoenix guys, I felt like I always do this. I feel like I have ownership in Utah teams when I'm with <laughs> others that aren't from here. How did that happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's like I'm a representative somehow of Utah sports. I do. Yeah, I have college friends text me about Utah sports. Yeah. And and I feel like I like I'm supposed to run down there and make a tackle or hit a shot yeah, or something. And, I don't know. And <laughs> I felt bad to watch the team lose a 25 point lead. And how secure were you in the fact they were going to win the game with a 25 point lead? Because you're the king of first half leads don't matter. Maybe maybe oh, hell, if they I get to they were 20. Win game seven. You're talking <laughs> to me about game six for. I was thinking sweet. Even after they lost Some game dumb five, you're going to keep Chris Paul out. I felt confident. Yes, I did. Wow. I did. I came after in here. Game on, five, I did not. When was game five? I, I don't even remember. Whenever it was, it was the next morning, Thursday, I felt confident when we're down at BYU. I felt confident that yeah. they were going to win game six yeah. because the other team didn't have its best player. Yeah. And I thought Conley was coming back. And I made a, an assumption that was wrong in that I thought that Mike would be Mike. Mike wasn't clearly anything close to being like Mike, as the old commercial was. When he came back in the past, he played well. But he only came back because it was an elimination game, I think. So maybe he wasn't anywhere near yeah. being ready compared to it's where the, he was being ready when he came it, back prior time. It's the Anthony Davis thing. It's just like, hey, your guys could be could be done here. you got to come back and give them whatever you have. Except and, he went 26 minutes and Davis was done. Right, yeah. Five. And so I think Davis had 20. You know, Davis was at 10 or 20%. And Mike was, I don't know, 50 or 60. He picked some random number. You're right. Conley was able to give the Jazz more than AD was able to give the Lakers. But neither of them was able to give anywhere near what the team was used to. And in my heart, which is completely and totally meaningless, I, I think if they were healthy, they win. But they weren't healthy, so it doesn't matter. The other team wasn't healthy either. They went 2-0 without Kawhi Leonard, and you couldn't get it done. That's the bottom line. Now they've got to go, and they got to regroup. I do feel a sense of optimism in their ability to not only regroup, but get better. I think that that's a possibility. And I think that the, 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 the loss stings for the hardcore. And I know and we interact with so many of them. I feel like I'm a hardcore by extension, even though I'm not. Yeah. But I certainly feel No, but you it. know plenty of people in your yeah. neighborhood. And yeah. there's plenty of friends, regular listeners and callers. I've been a long time here now. Yeah. So I've got friends who grew up here and they've become my friends. You know, they weren't my friends. I didn't know them until I moved here. And over time, whether it's through meeting parents of your kids' friends or youth sports or whatever, you end up having friends. That's what life's about, right? It's about relationships. And so you see them. I, I feel the same way. Like when the Utes lost to Oregon in the final. Uh in the Pac-12 championship game. I felt bad for my Ute friends. When the Cougars lost to Carolina, I felt bad for my Cougar friends. It's the same type of principle. And especially, too, because now with this, doesn't next year's playoffs seem like 100 years from now? No. 
150. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's so far away, I can't even think about it. Right. And I you can't wait even think all about that. it. Because you can't really get excited in the regular season next year, but you will. But you know it only matters if they follow it up in the postseason. And we got to wait yeah, till but- next April. Now, in, it, Old Dominion has a song line. They're my favorite band, a country band. And they're back on the road now touring. It's great. And they have a line like... Uh, the days seem long, but the time passes really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the days don't even seem long to me anymore. I mean, uh, I, I I get going, and it's like it's three o'clock in the afternoon in a heartbeat. Where, I, I, where's it going? I think they. If you live day to day, but if you look back, well, six months that just seems like yesterday. It does. But six it months does. from now, or eight months from now, when they start the playoffs. Just seems like, oh man, I got to go through all this again. But the bitterness is good because, with the exception of Atlanta Hawks, and maybe even them with Nate McMillan, that's coach, that's different. But all the other star players, Antetokounmpo has been counted out. Paul George has been harshly criticized. Chris Paul has had as much frustration as anybody can have in an NBA career. He's been given up on by multiple teams. So it hurts. Donovan Mitchell had an awesome, awesome 75-second post-game bite about how bad this sucked Friday in L.A. It offset the fact he didn't talk Saturday, the wrap-up with all the others. He and Clarkson didn't talk. I don't know why. They didn't say why. They just didn't. But that's 75 seconds, Friday night after the game. We ran the whole thing, no cover video, the emotion on his face, the hurt in his voice, it happened last year, and now it's happened again. Now why the crap didn't we run it today? Yuck, why didn't we run it today? No, you're in charge of that stuff. Yuck, cut it, no. and we'll run it next. It's, today is it over. You're in charge of that. <laughs> I know, but we got another segment next. It's a minute 15. It's right in the middle. It's Yeah, not it's to rain on your parade, but Steve Nash, Patrick Ewing, Charles. They don't Lowry. always get there. I know. <laughs> I know. And and not everybody. I just listened to a bunch of guys this year, and only one of them is going to get to hoist the trophy, and two of them are going to hear it about it again. Maybe Paul George will play well, and it'll be on Kawhi getting hurt. Or maybe oh yeah 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 maybe Chris Paul will be sidelined with COVID, and they'll lose the series. I don't want to say the Clippers are playing with free money, but they've got their ready-made excuse. They do. They do. Yeah. So you can't crack on Paul George. But somebody is going to get somebody is going to get there, and other guys are going to be disappointed. Right. And so, the way sports are right, but disappointed in the first round, now disappointed in the second round. Got to push and get closer to the mountaintop next year. All right, so in three years, we're going to the finals. <laughs> I don't All star game, NBA finals, sweet. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way, that perfect linear. Well, I'm gonna hold you on found it yet, Yuck. I'm gonna hold on to it. All right, break time. DJ and PK, Yuck's gonna find that, and we will get to that and your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. No, why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school and then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. 
and doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Shamrock Plumbing. I heard you guys hang up on people. Is that true? I mean, what kind of company? Hey, I gotta get this. Don't go anywhere. IT department, this is Chad. Ma'am, this is IT. You know we don't do that. And stop calling us for everything. Okay, I'm back. Where were we? You were yelling at me. Oh, that's right. Oh, out of curiosity, what did that customer want you guys to do? Well, her sink isn't working, and I told her... Hey, I think I'm losing you in this canyon. No, that's you rubbing paper on the phone. Well, either way. At Shamrock Plumbing, we do plumbing. Because that's the way it should be. Shamrock Plumbing. Hi, this is Brian Jorgensen at Alta Mortgage Financial. Did you know the mortgage rates have once again dropped near their all-time lows in the threes? If you're looking to purchase, build, or refinance, now may be the perfect time. And we have all of the best options for a no-origination fee or no-closing-cost loans, too. Give us a call today at 801-944-4440. That's 944-4440. Or visit us online at altamortgagefinancial.com. That's altamortgagefinancial.com. Give us 15 minutes, and we'll give you a better loan. It's time to make your Volkswagen buying experience as easy and transparent as ever. At Volkswagen Layton, our prices are clearly listed at VWLayton.com. We've calculated all of our leases and monthly payments right down to the penny on every new Volkswagen at Volkswagen Layton. And we don't have any fake price Jettas for $12.9 or $13.9. If you lease a new 2021 Volkswagen Jetta S from us, it's only $266.67 per month for 39 months with zero due at lease signing. If your lease payment is higher than that, you fell for it and paid way too much for your Volkswagen. So remember, all of our payments are clearly listed at bwlayton.com with the best interest rates, down payment, and terms so you already know what your payment or lease will be right down to the penny before you even walk through our doors. Volkswagen Layton at 1230 North Main, right in the heart of Layton, or online at bwlayton.com, or call pound 250 and say VW for all the details. This this is gonna eat at me for a long time watching the like uh, like the Clippers and the uh, Suns play in the conference finals and even watching the finals like this was we made it had an incredible regular season made so many pushes and we continued to fight but man like this is gonna eat at me when I, even when I go to the grocery store I'm gonna be thinking about this like you know what I mean like this is wow. That's Donovan Mitchell after the loss to the Clippers. That's it's gonna, awesome. It's going to eat at him. I'd rather have that a million times more than this isn't going to ruin my summer. No, it's going to ruin my trip to the grocery store. It's going to ruin everything. Abs- this guy's going to get it done someday. He's 24 years old. There are very few guys who won it all at 24. And were the man on the team. Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson. Yeah, that's pretty much your list. When did LeBron win? Uh, I think he was like 27. I think he was in the Jordan Shack range, late 20s. Oh, then what are we sweating for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Tweets. Terrell Burgess to the car that hit me and left today. Just know that I have Liam Neeson on speed dial. <laughs> Arturo Burgess, who played here, yeah. is now yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ram safety. He was always a good interview. <laughs> That's a good line. Utah football replied with, uh, I will find you. Oh, yeah. Liam into the phone. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. 
as tweets go. That's funny. It is. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands and Scotty are up next. We'll see you.